Before today's episode starts, just a quick one from us. If you're currently listening on Apple and Spotify and you enjoy listening to Strike It Big, consider leaving a five-star review along with what you thought of the pod. As the more reviews we get, the more the podcast grows and the bigger and better the guests get. Thanks in advance. Bring on the pod. Today's guest came from nothing and built one of the largest supercar rental fleets in the world. They're the first to ever buy Bugatti Chiron in the UK, and they're here today to tell us exactly how they did it. It is, of course, Lord Aleem and his father, Salim. I want a nice 20 mil plus apartment in London with three hypercars downstairs. I want about two more holiday homes. I want a yacht. Today, I have every single car I could ever wish for. I think the value of the cars will be 10 million pounds plus. There comes a time, you're making so much money, you're scratching your head thinking, wow. What am I going to do with it? Yeah, I've, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't look at him. His father's a drug dealer. Don't look at him. His father's a dodgy geezer. But the truth of the fact is that where are they today and where are we today? And sometimes it's better to stay quiet and let God do all the work. We're giving out assets for hundreds of thousands of pounds to people to drive. We have to watch over our cars. We have to protect it. Sleepless nights, getting alerts on cars. This is a very, very tough job. I couldn't give two shits of what anybody has to say online. Do what you want to do and do it with courage and do it with the right mindset. Once you're everyone's cup of tea, you're a mug. So huge podcast today, isn't it? It certainly is. We're at Platinum Executive Travel today, which in itself is pretty exciting, isn't it? Being surrounded by all these supercars. We got Lamborghinis, we got Ferraris. We should have had a Bugatti as well, but uh, I think that's on its way back from Dubai currently. Um, it's just but, awesome. But there's no Kai today. And why is that? We told him he couldn't come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, Kai has been fired from the podcast and he won't be making another appearance. So we had so many comments, didn't we, saying oh, get rid yeah. of the little short guy. So, so we've done it finally. So I yeah. hope you guys appreciate it. No, of course, we're just joking. <laughs> Today, we've got a really exclusive interview, haven't we? Very, very special. Obviously, we've got Lord Aleem, who without question, I'm sure everyone knows. But for the first time ever, his father has agreed to come on the podcast, Salim, and and uh, we're going to deep. Sorry, you're going to deep. We're going to deep. Dive. We're going to dive really <laughs> deep into the setup of this uh, of this business, how it all came about. Just to reiterate what Dad's saying, this is a huge deal, and we've managed to secure this interview. Every podcast in the world has been trying to get it, but we've done it for you on Strike It Big. So if you appreciate it, make sure to smash that subscribe button because it helps us more than you can know. And it also helps us secure the better guests for you guys. Today's guest came from nothing and built one of the largest supercar rental fleets in the world. They're the first to ever buy Bugatti Chiron in the UK. And they're here today to tell us exactly how they did it. It is, of course, Lord Aleem and his father, Salim. Woohoo! Come on in, guys. Take a seat. Great to have you on the podcast. <laughs> Hello there, all right? Nice to meet you. So what was it like growing up in the 1970s? Well, I can start from um, around about 1978 um, or thereabouts. And um, um, there's um, eight siblings in our family. So um, there's um, five brothers, um, three sisters. And, um, and ultimately, I'm the youngest in, in the family. Um, and when we were growing up, I was around about eight or nine years old, and uh, my older brothers um, were pretty much on point and in the car industry, so um, buying and selling cars and that sort of stuff. Um, and um, I actually enjoyed that quite a lot. 
So um, I, I spent um, a fair bit of time with them in my spare time from school and whatnot and coming back from school all excited and, you know, yeah, we're going to go to the car auction or whatever and X, Y, Z. Um, and, um, and and moving on from that, um, a lot of other activities going on. Uh, my brother was in the industry of um, uh, repairing um, televisions and video recorders and whatnot. So I'd spend the weekends with them and just learning off tips and and just getting knowledge, really, basically, just um, free knowledge because it was it was experience which I wanted to get attracted to. Um, and um, and if there was a day where uh, my brother had gone to the car auctions without um, taking me with him, um, it'd be hell on fire. It'd be like <laughs> it'd be dramas. Um, and and I'd actually work my own way up there on the bus, thinking that oh, I'll just I'll just catch him there, and um, and and I'd do that. Um, is this the same brother that was a taxi driver, by the way? Indeed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he then um, later in the years uh, went on to um, um, uh, driving a black cab, um, which I couldn't be with him. So I I was on my, on my own mm. um, into doing the auction runs, and um, and uh, and to be fair, it, when I said to you when well, I'm on my own and doing that, I'm talking about fourteen, fifteen years old. I'd get a bus to the auction just to watch and. And listen and, and and pick up on things and, and see how um, pick up what things are worth as much yeah, as what anything. things are worth and what the techniques are and everything. So, what do you think were the main things you learned from just experiencing the auctions? You know, it's 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 a variety of experiences you you pick up on um, of how how people you know bid on cars and 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 what sort of cars attract people, what sells, um, and then I was a, a, a very um, uh, a popular person on the magazine Top Marks at Sunday Times. Um, when you say you were popular on, on those magazines, you mean you were advertising on them? No, no, no. I, I was actually popular in just scribbling through them and, and just making sure that, you know, um, I understand everything correctly. Mm. Um, and uh, Similar to how we would probably go on to Auto Trader now and have yeah. a play around and Indeed. try to absorb everything yeah, from yeah, the yeah. But back then it was... Because what these youngsters yeah. don't understand, there was no internet back then, yeah, was yeah. there? No, nothing. Absolutely nothing at, nothing at what all. What was the UK like back there in the 1970s as well? Because yeah. that's uh, it's a different time and a different country, really. Well, you grew up in the UK in well, the I 1970s, certain, I certainly <laughs> did, yeah. But uh, you were in Birmingham yeah. in the well, 70s. Listen, um, it wasn't easy, mm. um, but I felt, I felt it normal. Um, and I just cracked on with it, and 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 like like in any, anything, even up till today, and 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 twenty twenty five years ago, um, you just you get stuck into it and just crack on. Mm. Um, ultimately, um, we do get there in the end. I guess you know no better with, with with what's around you. So you know maybe times at, at that time for my father were hard, but he was so immersed in that whole you know in that situation, and that's all he ever knew that he didn't find it hard. He just thought that you know this is the process that I've got to get through. Whereas like um, you know maybe myself now, um, I, I I would look back on that and because I've had a different type of upbringing, I'm yeah. more aware of. Of, of other ways of lifestyle and different types of people in different countries and that sort of stuff that I would probably struggle a little bit more, but that's all you ever knew, I guess. You know? I, I always think I'm quite lucky because I started my business during a recession okay. and I didn't know any different to that. So I was making money in a really hard time and everyone kept saying to me like, you know, aren't you finding it hard? There's a recession. I, I didn't even know what a recession well, I'll, I'll was. Go on a I little just bit made further. money. Yeah, <laughs> I'll go on a little bit further and tell you about that because there, there, become, there comes a time where uh, at the age of, in, in the teens, um, you're making so much money that you're scratching your head thinking, what wow, do I do with it? What am I going to do with it? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and um, and, and, and there have been, been 
there'd been, if I says to you, there was, there was hundreds of times when I thought about that. Um, the, I really mean it, hundreds mm. as opposed to- Like you to, bought a Porsche, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. He was the first person <laughs> yeah. to buy a Porsche in your area. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, so we're so aligned because I did this <laughs> when I had too much money I didn't know what to do but yeah. I bought a, a 1976 Carrera yeah. and I wish I still had it yeah. it's a lovely car well moving on then uh, coming up to around about 16 and 17 and uh, you know the studies had finished and uh, my mother um, studies I didn't know you studied yeah, yeah. <laughs> my mother said listen you got to enroll into, uh, into um, college and then you know we, you're going to go to university and you're going to get yourself educated and so forth and I just put that in one ear and took it straight out the other because I was just like thinking of the next time that I've got to get to the auction and, do, <laughs> and, and hustle a deal. So your um, education was really in the sort of real life experience. Yes, yes. Um, indeed, yeah. Um, so coming up to around about 17, um, there used to be a, a scheme called the YTS scheme. They did. Yeah. And this every is, this school. This is what you talk about all the time, I know, isn't yeah. it? And every school wanted to put <laughs> you on a YTS yeah. scheme, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And 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 this and that's a this, youth training scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. This college, um, um, it was in the centre of Birmingham, and they just wanted to do that. So I said, all right, twenty six pound a week. I yeah, think you that's got it. something like that. Yeah. For the people that don't know what a YTS scheme is, what what is a YTS? It's scheme? a youth training scheme, and what it did was um, they they sort of tried to abolish apprenticeships and replace it with youth training schemes. Before that was WAPS, Youth Opportunity Program, yes, I think. Yes. Um, but I said, no, I wanted, a, I actually wanted an apprenticeship. I wanted to learn a trade and, and get it done properly. Yeah. But there's no way I was going on a YTS. <laughs> so uh, they asked the question, they said, look, um, what do you want to do? I said, I want to get into computers, you know, um, uh, repairing and engineering on computers. Go on, Dad. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> no problem. They found me a company in the Birmingham, so this is, this, it's in Birmingham, it's only down the road. I said, all right, sir, no problem. So anyway, I've gone in there for an interview, very happy, loved me to bits. Bang on, you're in. Started working for them. I spent about nine months there. And in that nine months, I literally stressed them all out. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, because we were we used to uh, jump in, the, because back in the days, it used to be the computers IBM. Yeah. So they'd buy, companies would buy IBM computers off them. And um, we'd go and install them and, you know, prep them all up. Um, and so we'd drive from here to, let's say, London or Basingstoke or Southampton. And I'd be the passenger and the driver would drive me up there and we'll set them all up. So while we're, we're driving up there and everything, um, you know, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm my, what's going through my head is the hustle on the deal. So thinking, mm. right, I'm, I've got to go to the auction on Saturday morning and do X, Y, Z. And anyway, I do my day's work, come back home and uh, my mom was happy. And then I said, mom, I'm not really feeling this, you know, this job and everything. <laughs> Funny enough, <laughs> as we were in the process of me not feeling it, she said, no, no, you've got to carry on. You can't stop, you've got to carry on. So the were you driving them crazy because you were talking about the auctions all the yeah, time on the weekend? Okay. But these 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 guys, the drivers and the engineers, they actually got used to me, you know, at some stage, and, and that's all they were talking about as well. <laughs> Weird you know, one, this. <laughs> yeah. so you're infecting so, all my staff. Yeah, yeah, they're they're yeah. going to go off and do yeah, that. Yeah. But unfortunately, the company went bust. Okay. So they went under. They, they they couldn't cope anymore. So one morning they called me and they said, "Look, you're not the only one, but everybody's going." 
from Monday, nobody needs to come to work. I said, okay, no problem, great. So that was the catalyst to propel you forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said, you know, your wage packet, because they used to pay you cash. In a yeah, I used to have those. Yeah, yeah. And I used to sometimes have to go up with the foreman to the yeah. bank yeah, yeah. to bring the money back because it had to be two of us because yeah. it was a big briefcase yeah, yeah, of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and you yeah. got paid to the penny as well, Absolutely. didn't you? Absolutely. And they said, well, about your money, because the company's gone down, I said, oh, don't worry about it. They said, no, no, you can put a complaint, you can put a, a claim in and do this and X, Y, Z anyway. You washed it, go. It's no worry about that. I went home and singing all singing and dancing, thinking, yeah, I'm sorted now. <laughs> Be off to the auction tomorrow. My mum only had another plan up the sleeve. <laughs> Straight to the bakery. Crazy, no? She said, listen, you've got to do, a, you can do this car business on the side, but you've got to do a full-time job. And I said, well, it's, it's hard. She says, oh, I'm, I'm talking to somebody over the road. He works for a company called Bristol Street Motors. Oh, right. Big company and, yeah, now. Yeah, big company now, yeah. She says, um, and they're going to give you a job in there, but, you know, they need a couple of weeks into it. I said, okay, that's fine. No problem. So I thought I've got a bit of a breather. She says, no, but I've spoken to somebody else who can give you a job straight <laughs> away. Oh, okay, what is that then? She's going to work at the bakery. <laughs> so, oh, I can't bake. I, I can't she see says, you doing that. <laughs> she, says, she says, you know, you're going to get a job in the bakery and you don't have to bake. It's easy. She's just packing and that sort I of stuff. I thought you were going to say you're just going in as a taster. That would have been pretty <laughs> good. That would have been good. So anyway, I've gone in there. He was going down the road and I used to walk it to the bakery every evening. Is this why about. you love fancy cakes and stuff? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Oh. And I'll come <laughs> into that. Um, so anyway, um, set, um I'm up to about 18 years old and I'm, I'm working in the bakery and um, we're doing a load of packaging of Ross cakes and, you know, pastries and various bits and pieces. Funny, you know, the bakery is still there, no, same place. Um, and um, on the on the day, on the we do a full night shift. So six yeah. o'clock in the morning, night shift <clears throat> finishes. About half five, the supervisor would come along and say, listen, uh, do us a favour, get all this, all the broken Rosses, put in the skip. I said, oh, it sounds cool. Can we take some home? Hmm. She said, yeah, yeah, no problem. Like these broken biscuits, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, she said, take them home, no problem. So I filled up a couple of carrier bags for myself. So I'm walking down the road at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> with a couple of bags, you know, on my way home. And uh, obviously I've gone home, my mom's really happy. She's all singing and dancing. She's like, wow, my son's done a good day's work and he's bought a load of biscuits <laughs> home mm. as well. So, you know, so anyway, so she shared a load of biscuits with the neighbours and various bits and pieces, no problem. Next day, back to work again. Next day, um, same again, six o'clock in the morning, just before you go home, a couple of bags. So when did you start selling them? I'll come to that. <laughs> He's already <laughs> thinking, you're, 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 you're a yeah, natural yeah, yeah. salesman. I'm He's like, yeah, 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 money, money. <laughs> money, yeah. Couple of bags again, back home. My mum says, oh, we've already got the ones from yesterday. I say, you've got some more now, haven't you? You know what I mean? No problem. She said, oh, that'll do. Don't bring any more. Straight away, I can see pants on. <laughs> yeah, of course. Mm, okay, well, if yeah. you don't want, you want it, it. <laughs> I know yeah. somebody who does. Yeah. Anyway, next day, a couple of bags again. I only had a few people lined up for a couple of bags, just drop them off and X, Y, Z. So give them the couple of bags, collect up the four or five quid, whatever it yeah. was, um, and cracked on. Um, anyway, we just got into it, but eventually everybody was worn out because they couldn't handle me anymore because they had too many biscuits around. They had no buyers. Um, so I lasted there for about, to be honest with you, I lasted there for about um, about eight weeks, which was good mm. because it was really warm in this bakery. 
and it was hard work. Mm. It's good experience, yeah. though, isn't it? All yeah. these other jobs, oh, good life experience. Yeah. So, did you quit, or were you fired? Off no, I just, I just, I just quit. And I, the reason why I quit was because the fella over the road from where we lived worked at Bristol Street Motors, and he says, "Listen, your job's on. You've mm. got the job." Okay. So it's more of a filler job in that time than you could jump to the real thing yeah, you wanted to indeed. do. Yeah. But I think it was mostly that my grandma, um, you know, she's always instilled that working and, and, and hardworking ethic and mentality into all of her children, mm. whether it be my aunties, whether it be my uncles uh, and, and, and my father as well is an example of it, that everything that my grandmother has taught her children was that whatever you do, you must work hard at, at, at it and you must keep yourself busy. And, and, you know, I think my father can say that, you know, she was very good at that, making sure that her children were always heading in the right direction, you know, of, um, of trying to move themselves, propel themselves forward in life. But she knew that this one was a hard work. He was the, he was the youngest of the whole family. So he was hard work and he loved cars. So we'll go on to that part. So now. I'm coming up to around about um, 18 years old. So I've got a job at the Bristol Street Motors now and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm working there as a, as a picker. We pick the parts, we pack them, label them up and we send them out in the van. Um, simple old job, lasted four or five weeks in the picking department, a couple of people, obviously uh, managers and supervisors caught the eye and this is necessary. Uh, we could do with you in the office. You're, you're good with with what you're doing and uh, we think you're a bit overqualified for this job. So let's have you in the office. So we've gone into the office now and, and um, funny enough, I, I remember all the managers names and everything, you know, and, and, and they're just great people. Anyway, as I said, we're coming into about 12 months period now and, um, but I'm, I'm actually working there, but my mind is still at the auction buying cars. So I'm still on the hustle. So uh, were you buying and selling? Yeah, I was still buying and selling. Right, I was buying and selling around the same time cars. My yeah. favourite car, the easiest sell, was a Ford Escort Mark II. Yeah. And I had loads of them. You go on about them, don't you? Well, they were great. I wish well, I had them now. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, listen, you know, because... I, I never actually done the the one, but I, if I mention about five cars to you and you'll you'll pick them up straight away, the Ford Escort you mentioned, Capri, yeah, lovely, Rover two one threes, Mondeos, yeah, uh, you know, them is that the bubble shaped Rover? The, the bubble shaped Rover, you used to love them, the yeah, yeah. 20, yeah. Right. all good sellers, uh, all good sellers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they'd sell like hotcakes. Mm. So um, anyway, so I was buying and selling cars, and 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 I, where I lived. Um, we had plenty of parking, you know, nobody, you know, back in the days, there yeah. weren't many people who had many cars uh, on a, on a, on a road where there's a 150 or 200 houses. There's probably going to be about 25 cars. Yeah. Like 91, 92. Um, bit earlier. I bit 90, 90, yeah. Yeah. 85. Yeah. 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 85. And I'll come on to that 91, 92, because that's, a, that's, that's a, there was a, a major turn then. Um, and so I'd, I'd, anyway, I, I, I'm in and out the auctions and um, and 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 I'm, I'm working there. I'm on the phones, but when I'm on the phone, everybody in the office thought I was on the phone for their business. But I was on the phone for my own business. <laughs> I was putting ads in Sunday Mercury's and remember the Sunday Mercury. Yeah, thing? you had to phone up and tell them word for word how right. much it cost per Indeed, word, yeah. didn't it? There's and none of that email us over yeah. um, the, the the bits and bits. No, word for word, spell it all out, and we're all off. Yeah, it took a long time. And you yeah. had to get it dead right as well because you had to yeah. catch the eye, Indeed. like the hook yeah. for YouTube, yeah, yeah, very yeah. similar. And because we were so used to it, the previous week's ad, I'd say repeat the same ad, different price, change the year, change the colour, same vehicle, and it'd go again. 
So now, um, you know, uh, Sunday Mercury, of course, as you know, would come out on a Sunday um, early in the morning. and uh, Bargain pages? Bargain mm. pages, yeah. Mine was the Sittingbourne Gazette, and that came out on a Thursday evening, okay. and I generally had the car sold by the Friday evening. Nice. And if it didn't sell, I had a little rule. I put it up for the advert the next week. I thought, there's no it's way. Be tough. Yeah, I've got to pay for an extra advert, so I've got to put the price <laughs> of the car up. And then it went. It yeah, was yeah. amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, all this means some bizarre things, and we, we can go on about it and 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 on. Um, you know, so I'm hustling away with cars, and 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 fast forwarding the uh, the Bristol Street Motors mission. Um, they put me on the on. They said, well, "Can you come and work on the front counter?" And now, so from the passport, can you come on the front counter? Well, that was a bit of a problem for me because I couldn't concentrate on my own business on the phones. Mm. So, um, and but I, I went on the front counter, and everybody who'd come in. And look at me uh, uh, as the Asian face and say, oh, can we get a bit of discount mm. on this? Can we get a bit of discount? So I, I was giving everybody discounts. I said, yeah, you know, 15%, 10%. So the manager pulled me. He said, what? I said, they all know me, don't they? So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm obliged to just give them a bit of discount. He says, get back upstairs. We can't have you back there. <laughs> I was like, yeah. great, <laughs> perfect. Hang on. So the people would be ringing me now and saying, well, can you come downstairs? I'm not allowed. <laughs> so that was the end of the discount mission. It's, it's like when your mum gets you to wash the dishes and then you do it once badly and then they never ask you to do it again. And how I got booted out of there was it was a slightly um, uh, another bizarre situation. What had happened was come Christmas time, right? So we're into around about the 18th of Christmas, uh, 18th of December, Christmas. And um, supervisor said, who wants to do overtime? Because whoever wants to do work over Christmas will pay you double pay and we'll pay you up front. Nice, isn't it? Double yeah. time. And we'll pay you up front. <laughs> so I'm thinking, yeah, money. Mm. Great. So I'm off again. And I said, I'll do every single day. Christmas Day we shot and Boxing Day we shot. Can't you open them days as well? I'll be here. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, they've paid me the full on till the first of second of January. It's all paid, done. Gone. It didn't turn up, did I? It was too busy. Mm. I was busy with the car jobs because Christmas time, I was selling cars, flat outs, back mm. to back. I used to fly up to the auto trader office, take a picture, do it. So I was really busy. So when I went back um, on the 2nd of January, um, I had the money in my pocket with the envelope that they overpaid me. So I thought, I'm going to return that envelope back and um, and hopefully we'll all, we'll all be okay. So is this out of money you've made from selling no, the cars? No, 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 this no. was there. Oh, you didn't touch Because I overcommitted myself, mm. you see. I, mm. over, I, 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 I started mm. running before I could walk. I knew I couldn't work there, but I, I still wanted to help them and, and work. You got greedy. But yeah, I, I got, yeah, makes sense. But they paid me whatever it was, mm. 120 quid or something. Well, I found myself in a similar position, possibly at a similar age, yes. where you've you've sold all your time and you can't, you've got no more time to sell. Yeah, yeah. So then you're into letting people down and yeah, that's yeah. not good. Not good. No, no. And no. I know you don't like turning down money either. So it's I don't just, like turning down <laughs> money. Like, how can you do that? <laughs> but also letting down people yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a double curse. It doesn't curse. sit right with your heart and your, yeah. your soul. But, it's difficult. But, but when you're young, you know the old saying, you're just you're a bit young and stupid and we just, we just crack on with mm. it. And all we think about is the pound and the dollar sign. Yeah. Um, so um, anyway, I've, I've walked into the office. This is the bosses want to see you upstairs. I was already prepared to hand the money over. So I said, I haven't worked. So I'm sorry, there's the money. Um, and he says, no, it's a bit more than that. They're going to sack you. I said, oh, okay. Well, better still, I'll, I'll give them my notice. And so I went upstairs, says to the secretary, I says, there's the money that and I haven't worked. And furthermore, I won't hand my notice in. She said, oh, 
that's great, there's no problem. Sign here, off you go. So I walked out and everybody was all very, very friendly, all the bosses, all the managers, because they were so happy that, you know, it was just a straightforward mm. talk, you know. He couldn't do it. He said, sorry, he's come fully prepared with the money back. Yeah. And furthermore to that, he's actually just admitted that he just can't handle it. Yeah. And then at this stage, you know, I was parked up outside, you know, I used to go to this workplace in Mini Cooper S's and, and all sorts, and all the managers there and everything, they were in company cars, all catching buses. Mm. Um, so Mini Cooper S's were, were oh, like beautiful, beautiful cars. <laughs> beautiful. And, you know, made yeah. big money out of them. Yeah. So anyway, I've and come a GT up. 1275, I sold a few yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. good money. Good, good uh, clubmans and all <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. So I've come home. And, At least you know, they know. <laughs> I've, come, I've come home and I said, Mom, look, you know, this is what's happened and whatnot. And, you know, as much as... And, and the fellow who lived over the road actually backed me up and said, look, he's, he's a great guy, but um, he's, he's too busy in his own self. Because he could actually see that I've lined up about 12 or 14 cars outside the house for sale. So I'm flat out. You know, I'm really busy. Um, so anyway, I've cracked on with the car job and now and we're busy selling cars and, and whatnot. I've been creeping up to around about, um, um, around about 1990. Um, I, um, I, I'm flicking through the papers and, um, and, and, I, and I come across a name uh, of a garage um, and, it, and it just caught me eye a bit. And uh, it was um, uh, a company called Winterton Cars. And um, anyway, they, they were working from a farm selling cars, but they were selling very cheap cars, like newer cars for like, you know, seven and a half thousand pounds, very, very cheap. Vauxhall Astras and Mondeos and that sort of stuff. So um, anyway, I, I paid a visit up there and um, lovely, lovely guy um, by the name of Terry Bateman, um, you know, showed so much love and respect and and just went on to a conversation and says yeah we sell cars here and and we get a lot of part exchanges and i said look you know obviously you've advertised a few part exchanges just to clear you know i'll, I'll take them mm. he says well look they're up there you can have them you know whatever they are you can have them i said okay well sound so he'd give me the cars at cost price so i'd pick up a car from him for an example 400 quid i'd drive it down the road because i'd i'd it was the phrase I'd have to use. I actually didn't buy it. I actually nicked it. Mm. <laughs> because for 400 quid, I'd drive it half yeah, a, a mile steal. down the road yeah. mm. and I'd just flip it to someone for 800 quid. Yeah, and that's beautiful, isn't yeah. it? And, and this guy who I was selling them to for 800 quid, he was another trader and who was very popular in the Sunday Times newspaper. So he'd, he'd sell his cars very, very expensive. So I thought, well, do you know what? I could actually start trading them to him. So I don't need to buy them. I start trading to him. So I sold him about, I don't know, about 30 cars. So you'd I'd, buy from like the wholesaler and give it to like the retailer? Yeah, No, I'd, I'd buy it from uh, the wholesaler and and I'd sell it to a wholesaler. Okay. Because I just didn't want the headache of retailing them because mm. I thought, well, you have to do it. Just retail. But there come a stage where even this guy couldn't handle me anymore. He said, look, whoa, whoa. Stop. I think there's a theme there's here. There's a theme yeah. here. No one can handle you. <laughs> he, said, he said, listen, you, you got to start. Leave me alone. I said, look, you can have them on credit. No, I've I, I got no more space. I can't take anything. Physically, more no more space mm. to park the car. I've got to stop. Farm. He couldn't handle me. But I'd still nause him every other day on a good deal and tease him. And he'd say, go on, then bring it down. And I'll take it down and he'd pay you straight mm. away. And um, we're cracking on. So then obviously my vision was that, well, I need to, I need, I need to get rid of these cars. 
And what I was doing, I don't know if you remember, do you remember some adverts that we used to put in the paper, cars wanted for cash? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'd put adverts in cars wanted for cash, anything from £50 to 50000 We hadn't seen £50,000 in our lives. Yeah, of course. Right? But it was that's how it was, £50 to £50,000. Mm. Grand. There's always someone desperate, certainly back then, to sell their motor well, for a bit so, of cash. Not so much desperate, but we want to get rid of this thing mm. off our drive. How do we do it? Phone me up. I'd, I'd fly up there. Um, but now, at this time, I'm driving around in brand new BMWs and, you know, convertible BMWs, Porsche 911s. Because then Porsche 911s, I used to buy them in at, at like six and a half, seven thousand pound a pop. Do you used to buy them on your ones, Pops, or did you used to um, yeah. buy them with like friends and go no, on no, 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 I just bought, I, I used to just go and buy them myself, six and a half thousand pound Porsche 911, Carrera 2s and all that. And I'll come on to that in a bit because I did buy one with a very good friend of mine, um, a newer one. Um, uh, but anyway, cracking on. Um, I was just thinking because you said you never seen yeah. fifty thousand in your life. Well, yeah. How much was the Porsche? Uh, these were six and a half thousand pounds. Yeah, right? it wouldn't oh, be wow. fifty thousand no, back then. No, no, no. no. no I 50, thought it'd at least be like a Porsche yeah, would probably be like forty. Yeah. I think, no, I think no, the one I bought, inflation, you know. Yeah, the one I bought was twelve thousand. Yeah, and um, we I bought it with a friend as well. How yeah. about that? Yeah, a guy called Paul Friedman. So shout out to yeah, him. Yeah. And cool. we shared it. And the only reason I sold it was because we lost the the space that we stored it in. And I didn't want to store it outside. It's just what like color was your Porsche mark? Red, of course. Nice. During that yeah. time, guards red. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. guards red. And I'll come to that in a few moments. Another <laughs> one, guards red with a friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I, I'm busy now, so I'm, I'm going over to people's houses and knocking the door. Yeah, you come for the car. Yes, yeah, and have a look at. It. Yeah, how much do you want for it, mate? Well, I don't know. Whatever you want to give me. I said, okay. Well, okay, but you know, sort of rough idea. I, I just want it mm. off my drive. So I'm not even, look, I've got the logbook, got the MOT, got all the service book. I've had it for 16 years and all that. Scratching me. And I've got a pal with me. You see, I've took my friend with me, obviously, thinking like he's going to drive it back. Yeah. And I'm saying, oh, what shall I say to him? And he said, look, mate, whatever you want to give me. Look, I just want it off my drive. Would you say 50 quid? Yeah, if it's worth 50 quid, 50 quid. You can't believe it, can you, when you're believe, driving away? I can't believe it. I'm scratching my head giving him the 50 quid my pal's gone how did you do that i said i don't know mm. just jump in it mate before he changed his mind anyway we jumped in it we've gone but that 50 quid turned out to be a grand it's wow. amazing isn't it it's, it's crazy crazy so um you know we're cracking on and we're so busy um and we're coming into you know around about two uh, two thousand uh, sorry 1992 1993 so i've got an engine obviously from Winterton cars. I've got my own buying. I'm doing, and I'm actually selling cars in the auction now. So I've gone to the auctions, and um, I've gone to an auction called UK Car Auction back in the days. Gone to the managers there. And I said, "Listen, um, uh, they actually like me. They, they got on me really well, um, and um, and w w we clicked very well." And he said, "Look, you can have a little area here where you can get your cars cleaned up and put in the auction." So I employed about three or four staff cleaning cars. So I'd get the auction transporters to pick up the cars, bring them to the auction, get them all valeted, get them in the auction, sell them, go again. Just a simple wash and a polish and a bit of tire slick. And it's amazing, isn't doing, it? Would amazing. Do and people don't know that. Well, they, they may know it. They They're just not, can't be bothered yeah. to do it, can yeah. they? And it makes such a difference. And, and I employed a guy. He was a mopper. He, all he used to do was all day. A mopper is a machine polish, by the machine way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All day he'd be mopping. He'd mop about 15, 18 cars in a day. And trust me, he was a big guy with big muscles, 
even his muscles were giving up at some stage. <laughs> they were giving up. But uh, great, great team. They cracked on with it for years on end. And, um, and, 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 and we just cracked on with it. Um, we you were, would sometimes sell cars again, wouldn't you? Like you yeah. went through the auction. Well, what had happened was we'd, we'd put a car in the auction and um, because obviously they're all sold as seen. So we'd, because we'd buy them sold as seen, so we'd sell them sold as seen. So I'd put it back in the auction. Uh, so I'd put it in the auction itself for like £1,200. I'd already given £600 for it previously. Um, so we made a profit. But the customer that bought it didn't like it. So it'd go back into the auction. So I'd buy it back <laughs> for 600 quid. And then you'd make the six again. But then I'd, I'd put the lipstick back on, put the yeah. makeup on and sell it back for 1200 <laughs> again. Yeah, that's funny. But believe it or not, if I told you something, and, and I don't know, I, you, you've definitely not been through this. I've done the same car about 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've done the same model helicopter quite okay. a few times okay. in my model store. Okay. Um, because that is a similar repeat process. Okay. You know, someone buys one, decides they want to upgrade or yeah. it's not for them. So they would go round and around again. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's quite but amazing, honestly, isn't it? I would do the same car and I've done it about 10 times. In, I don't know. I can't remember when it finally went. <laughs> but I've done it I've, multiple two or three times. I've done them all the time. It probably died in the yeah. end and got and crushed. At one, I think. At one stage, uh, the auction would have would store about um, about 25, 30 cars for me. Mm. So it was great for me because it was a storage place. And um, is, this Birmingham, is this Birmingham? Sorry, is, yeah. is this Birmingham car auction? This was in Wolverhampton. But then um, we were doing a lot in Birmingham car auction. Lovely fellow called Graham Birch. Um, uh, and uh, it's no longer here now, the auction. And a shout out to him, a nice guy. Mm. And uh, still my friend today. His son's getting married and we, we're, doing, uh, we're doing a car for him. His daughter got married uh, um, a couple of years ago and, um, and uh, we supplied the, the Bugatti, which was a, a bit of a bizarre one because uh, the Bugatti had just got delivered. And um, a couple of days into it, he wanted a Rolls Royce. Um, so I pulled up outside his house in the Bugatti and he says, oh, no, I, see, I can't do this. She's coming out with the raw. I said, no, you're in this car. You're taking her to the church. <laughs> and that's it. It's done. And he's like. Oh, he was in bits. Okay. But, you know, he, he was so stressed because his daughter's, he's given his daughter away and now I've put him under immense pressure. So anyway, he's done that. He's happy. Um, so he would, um, we'd do a lot of buying and selling there. But you see, the relationship is, and I'm going to uh, grip it all into one. The relationship was that the cars that I would buy would be only the direct stuff. If you remember, the direct ones that would come from big dealers, Meteor Ford, Bristol Street, Evans mm. Hallshaw, all they were all clean stuff. Yeah. They were not what people privately entered because people who would put a car in the auction would put it in the auction because it was not retailable. So they'd put it in the auction. So um, he'd be on the phone to me and, um, and say, how long will you be? Because like, I want to get these other cars in. And you need to be here. So and I'd say to him, well, look, I'm going to be in like 10 or 15 minutes, but do me a favor, just buy whatever you think is right, just buy them. So he'd actually buy the cars for me before I'd get there because I was late, you see. I was running around like headless. So I'd enter the auction and he'd whisper up, he'd say, have you got a second? He said, I've bought the seven already. I said, all right, sound, thanks, mate. So I'd continue from the seven, so get it up to about 18 or 20 cars. Um, so we'd, you know, we'd come away with a good night. And out of the 18 or 20, we'd pick all the nice ones, you know, the ones, the retailable ones, and, and get them retailed to, obviously, various dealers, um, sometimes retail yeah. myself. Um, and, and all the ones that we thought weren't good enough, we'd get them the, the old lipstick and everything and 
get it back into the auction and sell for more money. Um, and, and so this is Graham, the auctioneer, is buying cars for you. The Graham, the auctioneer, is buying cars for me. He works uh, at the auction and he's buying cars no, for you in your absence. No, he's the director. He's the auctioneer. <laughs> he's the auctioneer himself. He oh. knows it's a good deal, doesn't he? He's seen so many go through. He's seen so many go through. And also having 30 of your cars there every time, that guarantees them a, a wealth of cars awesome. going through, awesome. which is a great thing as great well. Thing. So um, we're into the era around about 20, uh, 1992. And um, I'm busy in all angles, um, buying and selling cars. Uh, my mom's happy now. She's content. She said, you know, he's all right. He's bringing money. Um, we used to do the top car sales at the auction, Nottingham, Blackbush, top car sales. So I've landed at 1992. I've landed at um, a top car sale in Misham. Me and a friend of mine, um, uh, Mick Jones, he owns a skip company in the in the waste business. Shout out, go um, waste limited. Uh, yeah, <laughs> indeed. Big um, money in muck. Yeah, big money in muck, yeah, yeah. Um, but he was small in the because he used to be more into scrap vehicles and whatnot. So anyway, we've landed at this auction. And there's a Porsche 911 1990 G-plate Carrera 2. Uh, sorry, correct me, Carrera 4. And um, done 49,000 miles in red, guards red. Lovely. Black inside. 49,000 miles, a two years old ex-company car, direct. Mark's eyes a little. And he said, oh, <laughs> lovely car, and isn't it? And he said, <laughs> he said, shall we buy that? I said, yeah, we've got halves on it. Mm. He said, so we're at the auction now, like bang on, you know, 20,000 pound, 24,200 pound, hammers down. Bought the car, me and him, great, lovely. Come on, let's go and get the money. Jumped in the car, come home, picked up the money. He's picked his twenty. He's picked his um, ten and eleven, twelve thousand pound. I'll pick my twelve thousand pound. Put it all together. Went to the auction, give him twenty four and a half grand. You know, back in the days, mm. you can pay cash, even yeah. if it's one hundred and fifty grand. Yeah. Pay him cash, no problem. Done. Give him the twenty four and up. Bought the car. He says, "Well, you drive it a couple of three days, and I'll drive it a couple of three days." Right? Said, no problem. I'm in the car. Um, I ring him up. Do you want it? Nah, you carry on driving. You're not bothered. Well, not bothered in a million years. Not bothered. Weeks gone by, two or three weeks. I said, do you want to have a lot of try with this? Nah, I can't. You ain't got time. I'm not too busy. You ain't got time. So I'm in muck all the time. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> but I'm driving around in it now. But I'm in, in and out of auctions. And, um, and, and in one of the auctions, in fact, two of the auctions... Um, the auctions used to run parallel with each other. It used to be a, a little bit of a, a top, not top car sale, but executive sale, mm. and then the NACA sale. So it used to be two auctions. Now I'd be running around from one auction hall to the next auction hall all throughout the night. Don't forget, my night would start in the evening once I'm freshed up and everything. Kind of, I had a shower, freshed up at about six o'clock. But I'd be there till one in the morning. I'd be the last one out the door. The managers would be walking out with me because I just wanted to make sure that everything's right. <laughs> my mm. cars are parked up at the right places. All the keys are there and my staff are 100%. So um, anyway, I, I'm pulling up in obviously in Porsches and BMs and all that. And, and it's just all great. Everything's nice. Anyway, um, my mother says to me, she says around about um, the back end of 1992, she said, listen, you've got to get married. So I ain't got time for that. <laughs> That's what I was worried about. How did it happen? Yeah, I, I, I just, I said, I ain't got time. So anyway, she's going on and on and on and on. And then, um, and, and then obviously she's got me, my father involved because. So, so how old were you at this stage? Uh, well, 1992, I was, um, I was 22 years old. Oh, wow. That's early then. Yeah, yeah. Like if my so, dad was saying that to me yeah, when I was 22, I'd be like, no, yeah, even yeah. now, like, no. That's so, all changed a bit though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So she said, look, you know, your dad wants you. And, 
and I could never let my father down because um, because I'd say jump and my father would say how high, you know. It, we we had a very very strong relationship. Um, he's a great guy because whatever I wanted, I had it. And there would be a kickoff in the house. There'll be a World War Three, but he'd say, "Don't worry, we'll sort it." Mm. Parachutes, a bicycle, pair of trainers, BMXs, rallies, bikes, anything you want, no problem. Keep it quiet. I'll sort it. Mm. Don't spread it round to the other brothers and to your mom. I'll sort it. So were you the favourite then? Absolutely. And the, right. <laughs> and the youngest. And the youngest, yeah. So um, I, I got everything. So he said, look, you know, we're going we're gonna to go over um, to Pakistan. Oh, I said, I can't, oh, can't we just do one? Can't we just get anybody from here and just, just get me married off? Because like, get me someone <laughs> from just, here. Just get it sorted. Just, yeah. just, just find me anybody and just, just get it wrapped up. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> my mom says no it's not like that look we're going to make it into a bit of a holiday and so forth and and um, so this guy we're talking about this um, guy Mick Jones, Mick Jones right the one who went and bought the Porsche he, in 1992 he had a, a little car pitch um, in, in the Birmingham area and um, I had word around town that he was going to get rid of it it was on rent it was around about a thousand pound for every month's rent so it was about 12 grand a year which was quite mm. a lot but it was a big it's site a commitment big site so uh, obviously I've, I've landed at his place and because they'd had they'd had it all gated up there was all gated up the gates were never open i said well, well i want that place he's got it so i've landed at his place uh, and i said Joe, let me have this place and um, this was before the porsche was purchased and i said let me have this place can i have it he says uh, this I've is how you got to know him um this is a little bit how we got to know him yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, a little bit of that. Um, and um, anyway, I, I carried on and going to him a couple of days because he couldn't make a mind up, you know, whether he, he wanted to do it, give it to me or whether he wanted to carry on with it himself. Anyway, I walked in one day and I don't know whether he was in a bad mood or a good mood, but he just threw the keys at me. He says, listen, just here's the keys, please. Just leave me alone. Don't come back tomorrow. It probably had enough of you, I think, at that again, point. Again, <laughs> again, <laughs> enough of it. And I said to him, I said, look, there's five grand key money because I'd already been talking about this. I said, I'll give £5,000 for the keys. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, I don't want your five grand. Don't worry about that. He says, just, just, just have it. So, you know, what a nice guy. You know, he was just, just a nice guy. And, and it, it, everything was just. But it just goes to show, doesn't it? That, you know, if, if, if the, he didn't have people like that around him at the time, would he have been where he is today? You know, it's, um, uh, th there's people with big hearts along the way that help bring up, uh, you know, future entrepreneurs, mm. help um, assist, you know, b future business people to get to where they're at. And it's very important in this day and age as well uh, that we open our hearts for for the younger talent, for the people that are coming through, because today they, they might be, you know, working in a bakery or, or buying and selling, you know, one or two cars and tomorrow, you know, they, they'll probably be onto bigger things. So it's very important to assist and, and help. And if it's not people like Mick Jones, Jonah mm. um, or, or Terry Bateman, and people like this. Uh, bearing in mind, this was this was nine this was 1992. We've got a Pakistani fella walking to an office with the most Englishman-looking people that you would ever see. Hell's Angel bikers, all the lot. Loads yeah. of racism about at this time as yes. well. But no, absolutely delightful, lovely people. Didn't look at him for his race, his color, his religion, or anything like that. It was straight to this guy seems persistent. He's nausing the life at us, uh, life out of us. He needs this place more than we do you know, let's get it boxed off. And, you know, I think in this day and age, before you ask someone, oh, do you mind if I can use that piece of land? They'd want to charge you. They'd want to make you sign some papers. They want to, all sorts. Yeah. He just chucked Honestly, in the keys and, and said, uh, crack on with it. And man. he didn't even own the land because it was it was rented. 
and um, and he said, look, uh, the lady, the landlord, landlady would come along every month and just just give her the money, and that's the end of it. And um, and we got used to her as well. She's a great yeah. person, you know. It's just great. Um, and then uh, around about just before 1993, um, I, I, I um, Terry Bateman says to me, he said, look. Um, I'm obviously buying a lot of cars from the auction. You're buying all my part exchanges, and uh, I'm not even charging you extra money on them. I'm giving you for cost, and uh, and I know they're for cost because you say, well, how do you know they're for cost? Because I would actually go into the admin department, into their accounts department, and, and open the paperwork of where, how much the deal has come in for, and and all the staff there, the, the accounts managers, accountants, they're looking at me. But I've got authority by the boss. Yeah, that I can do it all. So if it, if the cars come in at four hundred pound, that's exactly what I'm paying for it four hundred pound, and I'd make a list of everything I'd buy. They'd make a list of everything that they've given me, and we'd be sometimes we'd be into this is no exaggeration. I'd been to about 50, 60 cars. I've took off them, and do you know how much I paid them. Yeah, amazing, yeah. isn't it? So they were missing a trick as well, really, <laughs> weren't they? Because you know they could have put let's say twenty five quid on every car you bought, and you'd have still bought it. I would have bought everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and one day the accountants for that firm, because they were they were selling about 30, 40 cars a weekend, brand new stuff. The accountant popped in and uh, and he came to me and he says, um, any chance of having some money off you? And I was shocked. I thought, why is he asking me for money? Okay, no problem. I've uh, got into Terry's office. I says, so and so Stuart was asking me for money. I said, Really? Picked up the phone, he says, Don't ever ask him for money ever again. Thank you very much. Put the phone there must down. have been a personal liking towards him, you know. Yeah. Like, I think there's a there's a correlation here, you know, whether it be Jonah, whether it be Terry or whatever. Um, I'm not just saying this because it's my father, but I feel that he has a charm and he has a way of talking. And he has this energy that he brings where people can sense, you know, the destination that he wants to get at and how pure he is to get to there. There's no kind of, you know, for, for someone to allow someone to come into your business, open your books and mm. see how much you buy something for. Mm. It's like letting somebody come into my business right now. My dad saying to me, don't, don't ask X, Y, Z why he's coming and flicking through your pages, whatever. He's my pal or I like him or whatever. Let him carry on. I'll never let that happen. But, you know, there was something very pure. There was, it was, it was, dare I say it, it was like a, a father and a son relationship. In absolutely. A way. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe you sense that entrepreneurial spark yeah. inside you yeah. and wanted to cultivate Indeed. that. And but obviously was... you paid your bills and if you're paying them up to a point all the time, then that gives you good standing Honestly, as well. No, listen, he said, listen, don't worry about that. Let it build up and we'll sort it. He'd pull out 20 quid and he said, do me a favour. Just pop down the shop and get me send a, him to get, the shop. Get me a drink or something. Yeah. <laughs> 30 cars he's taken off him. He hasn't paid a penny. And he'll just pull out 20 quid and he says, listen, son, just go run to the <laughs> shop and get some drinks or whatever. And then, he, and then when I come back, he'd say, sit down, let's have a chat. And then, you know, he's a therapy. And he, we'd sit in there talking. And he says, listen, I've been thinking about this and, uh, and I want you to do me a favour. And, 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 and I've got a little bit of a business proposition for you. I says, go on then, what is it? Because oh, I can't take anything more on because I'm so busy, <laughs> so busy. He said, "Listen, this is going to help me a lot now. So you've got to do me a favour as well. I want you to go and buy a lorry, right? A car transporter, and I want you to start transporting my cars. Because instead of me paying these auctions people for twenty pound a car, I'd rather pay you twenty pound a car. You go and buy a lorry." And I said, "He's put another thing in my head, another <laughs> idea." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, more money, right, Sam?" So anyway, and um, I've gone, okay. He says, listen, this will work and it'll be working good. Go and get yourself a lorry. 
So I've gone away. I've bought a a, um, a Leyland um, uh, transporter, three car transporter, off a fella for about eight or nine or ten thousand pounds, and um, and he said, um, and I, and I've bought it along, and I showed it. I've picked it up. You know, a couple of days later, I've come and showed it. He says, "Oh, it's great." He says, "Do me a favour. Let's do a trial test. Go down to uh, Shepshed Auction and pick up six cars for me." And here's an opening check. He'd leave an opening check for about, and he'd say, "You fill it in and give it to the security guard," because he was so close, so wow. tight with mm. ATT Car Auction, and you know, he was he was in their pocket. They'd they'd say, "Give the check to the gatehouse." and just collect the cars and we'd go up there and pick up six cars and you'd say well how would you pick up six cars the cars carries three and the transporter i'd take three drivers with me and they'd drive three cars back my pals so we'd pick up six cars and so he'd get them he'd get them all pumped up by saying listen guys what are you doing and they're doing nothing well listen you can, brand new astra sris yeah would you like you to know? have a little drive <laughs> oh yeah and they did it for yeah, free yeah, 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 yeah. For free so um we'd pick up six cars great yeah no problem but obviously things were getting more mm, serious, serious now yeah so now, you know, I've got to go to Pakistan. I've got to get married. And so I'm, I'm asking him for permission. Can I go? He says, well, yeah. Okay, well, uh, let me have a little think on this. How are we going to get? Okay, well, I can use, how long are you going for? Two weeks. Well, make sure you're back in two weeks. And because <laughs> it's I, like, I'll yeah, I'll just quickly get married. Then I'll be yeah. back. <laughs> I'll, be back. I'll, be back. I'll be there and back. He says, good lad. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're off to Pakistan. Back end of January, um, early part of February. So um, we've we've gone into Pakistan and and um, and I'm and I'm really uncomfortable because I'm thinking about the business, I'm thinking about the money, thinking about the English pound and everything, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, how long is this going to take now? So my mom's working very very hard, back you know, sleeplessly, you know, trying to um, you know um, shortlist the ideal candidate. Uh, <laughs> so, so is this uh, like or, a, or, or a victim, shall I say? Yeah. Right? Is it like an arranged marriage? Yes, it's an arranged marriage. And um, and um, um, so I, I but you've got to vet but out I, the families. You got to find yeah. out about the woman. But I says know. to my mother, categorically, very clearly, I said, "Whoever you choose, I will be happy. I will promise you, I will be happy, and when I will give it my hundred and ten percent." Did you and worry though that you wouldn't love the person that no, has chosen? No, for because you? because I had a lot of faith in my mother. Yeah. So my mother was a very very strong lady, um, very strong minded. And her older brothers, my uncles, always came to her for advice. Mm. So, and don't forget, I was the youngest. And the track record was she'd married four of my older brothers and three of my sisters. And the track record was 11 out of 10. So she's got some she good could, case studies yeah, there. So hopefully so she couldn't good. get this one wrong because I'm, yeah. I'm a favourite son. The one day my mother went to Aleem's um, um, Mom. mom's house. Mm. And uh, she came back, she says, sorted. I'm not gonna ask you, I've sorted it. I've sorted it. And I went, great. So when what, we, what was when it about we her? <laughs> when we going back? <laughs> when we going home, she goes, no, the wedding's next week. I went, oh, great. So I'm thinking, right, okay, we'll get the wedding out of the way, great. So what was it what stuck out about her um, that all the other I'll girls did I'll have? tell you what it was, my mom, really really liked her in the sense that she's very very pretty and her family is again 10 10 absolutely top end and um, and i get on with them like fire um we, we, we haven't been married very long only 30 years um, and <laughs> um, and ultimately um even up to today um i call them every single day so this is my brother-in-laws i yeah. call them every single day 
just to have a banter. My sister-in-laws, I've, I've owned them, just to have a banter. Mm, because nice. we, we're just so, you know, we, we, you know, it's like, you know, we were there last year and it's like, you know, we just catch up. You know, when people. they say that your mother knows you better than, than, mm. than, than, than anyone. Um, and, and, and she really does because she gave birth to you. You know, you were, you were eight, nine months in her, in her, in her womb before you were, you, you came to this earth. So she knows absolutely everything about you, you know? Um, but it's very important that when two people get married, it's not two people getting married. It's like, if you want to have a, a, a you know, a proper family. Uh, it's two families getting married, you know? And uh, it's... Yeah, no, I, I, I don't want you to arrange <laughs> my marriage. You're not going to arrange my marriage. Mark, I'll tell you how it's done. So did you have your, your partner arrange for you? Or? Yeah, well, I think, I think, that, I think well, I left it to, to my yes. dad and my mom really? as well, yeah. Wow. So, uh, look, at the end of the don't day... Don't get any ideas, dad. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You, you, know, you like her anyway. You know, so. you know Curtis, yeah. what you'll find is, right, that you, the things that you and I may look for, right, and we subconsciously think about those things, right, because of what's presented to us on social media, what's presented to us on these magazines, on screen and all that sort of stuff. We have a perception and a, and a vision of what we think our, we want our woman to be like, which is unfortunately not how uh, it works in the, in, in the long run. She might be great for a year, two years, three years, four years or whatever, but to be with a woman long-term, she has to become your best friend and she has to become like, you know, your right arm. Uh, she has to really assist you with things. And, you, you know, patience is something that women lack in this day and age as well. Um, they're very, they can be very materialistic. Um, they sometimes don't have a sense of um, where they want to see themselves or creating a family or, you know, whatever, you know? So there's a lot of factors uh, and these factors can be eliminated once you get the olders involved because they have life experience and they can sniff it out. Anyway, we got married and we were together in the house and with all the family there and everything. And and we we didn't immediately get on like fire straight away. But um, but obviously, you know, she was very, you know, sentimental about it. That, you know, she was very sad and, you know, in a little bit of tears. So I pulled her and I said, look, you know. Well, because of having to move. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Leaving a family. Leaving behind. a family and, you know, getting married. And now she's going to be living with me, even, mm. even in Pakistan. For the my mum's got, got four brothers, right? Three sisters, right? And she comes from a very, like, male-orientated household. She'd go to school like a princess, come back like a princess and everything. So yeah. she's just panicking. She's been one of them kind of, oh, like, you know, panicking type of women. Yeah, because and that whole support And he's like, listen, there, I need to yeah. get back and make some time. Yeah. I ain't got time for this. Yeah. So, um. So she started to cry, and I said, "Well, I said, look, if you're not happy, I can I can change things around. I mean, like you know, you're right. You're not happy." She said, "No, no, no. I'm really happy. I'm just sad, but obviously, I'm heartless. Mm -hmm. So I, I I didn't know this. You see, so I'm thinking, oh, I'm sorry. Well, is that the case? Is that how it works? <laughs> you know, this is what it is. <laughs> so um, you these know, women, they yeah. they're not so like cars, are they? I kind of got used to it, you know." <laughs> Seeing a few tears, and I think, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, because she's gonna miss her family and so forth and whatnot. Um, anyway, long story short, I've um, um, we've got married, uh, we went on a um, um, four or five days honeymoon, um, in the circulation of Pakistan, but in a, in a different uh, in the Himalayas, you know, you go to the mountainous oh, nice. areas and yeah, stuff, it's beautiful, mm. yeah. Um, anyway, um, we we came back. At what point did you actually fall in love with her? Um, I actually fell in love with her um, uh, a couple of days into it. It was pure luck, and it was it was luck in the sense that you've got your your parents backing with you mm. because you've got to have their prayers with them, and 
and they've got to be strong with you, hand in hand. God normally says, you know, when, when your parents are happy with you, the doors of paradise are open for you in this world and in the hereafter as well. Um, and look, if, if you know, we could say it's luck. We could say it seems like, you know, there's, there's, there's not been a bad time in the way that he's, he's come up was, you know, he's buying and selling cars, he's working in the bakery, he's meeting all these great people. You know, how could this be a coincidence that, you know, like, why is everything go, is going so good? Uh, we're true, we have our faith, you know, being Muslim, you know, we have that strong faith. And I think, you know, I believe that my father also has that strong faith as well. But, you know, he, he did everything for his mother, you know, he, he, you know, he listened to his mother, he was very obedient towards his mother, he had his mother's prayers with him. Uh, and that's why even till this day as well, you know, um, Alhamdulillah, we, uh, there's a lot of bad out there in the world, and, and you know, with the position that we're in, we could meet a lot of bad people. Uh, but Alhamdulillah, God always puts then, a lot of good people in front of us. And then Aleem's mom came over into the UK, and obviously, you know, we're all, and, and Aleem was born in 1994, so uh, a year later, um, so about about a year later because um yeah about a year later yeah, it was 94 yeah 94 um <laughs> and um so um so how was that bringing up a a young lad like a lame well, who's um, obviously a bit of a live earlier, wire earlier, and you're a busy guy the, the earlier days were great because the thing is he was he was just a little toddler wasn't he it was easy and his mom used to look after him and used to the little you know, shit didn't talk yeah, <laughs> yeah. but um, as soon as we got into around about um uh 24 months, 36 months, let's say to three years old. Um, he was like, you know, he, he, he wants to, he wants cars, you know, he wants to see cars and, and so on and so on. So where did that love for cars come from though? Yeah. I think, I think um, in general, I think um, it, it came from a collective uh, of, of people. Some of my uncles uh, would, uh, would try pushing me into, like one of them loved football. Mm. Um, but I think with, with my dad from the very start, you know, everything that I'd ever heard as growing up was, cars uh, every toy i got was pretty much a car um yeah. i mean I'm, I'm young at the time but it was just it was just car based but also then, so you know. coming into around about 1996 1997 i lost my father in 1996 so it was about 28 years ago so it's a long time ago um he um, which is always the fate of the youngest isn't it yeah you know and you're the youngest kid yeah. so and your I father's thought, always going to be I older i actually thought it's going to be a bit of a downhill and you know it's, it's going to be hard now and it's not going to be the same um but look my mother was very very supportive all the way through my father um was a, was a great guy he he worked at the royal mint yeah worked in the royal mint really and yeah. um pretty much retired um uh, about 15 years prior to or 18 20 years prior to um him um, leaving us um so um around about 19 so Aleem's days were you know I would have a lot of top end vehicles um you know Porsches BMWs Range Rovers and that sort of stuff because I was getting used to Range Rovers as well you see because they were good sellers you know Range Rovers were were, were awesome sellers they there used to be a couple of 3 grand profit in them all the time mm. um and and I and I would go into auctions and 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 people couldn't understand that this guy must be on some serious drugs because he's running around from one auction to the other. He's buying anything from fifty pound to fifty thousand pound because now we we've we've got the fundings to to buy, um, and ultimately um, they couldn't make. What is this guy about? You know, and what is he on? Um, and um, and I met a lot of people in, in, in and and they all kind of like you know, got used to me and they loved it. Even the, the staff that worked at the auction, they were all hand in hand. Great. You know, it was, it was, 
it was hand in hand and it was great because the support was there all the time and it was whatever you want, it's fine. We'll mm. sort it. This was my good. grandfather, Ghulam Muhammad, but you can see they <laughs> dressed awesome. a lot smarter back in those days, right? Yes. Yeah. Do you want to put it straight to your camera yeah. there as well? Yeah. And he's, he's, a, he's actually dressed up um, like him up until his, um, his, um, his, his last days. He, he's always dressed up very smart, mm. all the time, shirt and tie. Yeah, but Mark wants to know what it was like raising me. So moving on to that. Was I a well, difficult boy? I was going to say, like, has it changed with um, family nowadays in the West? Uh, what do you see as, like, the differences back in your day based on, on now and, yeah. and how people respect their elders? Well, look, um, this is my own motto. I can only answer for myself. And, and, and a lot of people have been against me. Um, uh, or a lot of my friends, a lot of the family have been against me on this. But it's the way I've got it. Aleem, when he was three years old, four years old, we'd put him in the backseat of the car and we'd drive him over to Ferrari dealerships, Porsche dealerships. And and his mom would say, um, she'd be with me, obviously, my wife, and she'd say, um, you know, he'll fall asleep easily. And we're great, mate. And, you know, I'd go to the same showrooms over and over again. And come to a stage, my wife said, why don't we take him somewhere else? I said, no, no, he likes these places. But really, it was me who liked them. <laughs> because I'd go there, and every day, or every other couple of days, they'd have a different Ferrari. And I'll be honest with you. 308s, yeah. 328s, and all that sort of, you know, Testarossas. 355. Yeah. Five. My favourite older Ferrari is a 355. 355. Yeah, yeah, with a manual box, yeah, of yeah. course. And okay. we'll get on to that in a moment. But, but I, I must say, I don't have many very clear memories. Mm. And, you know, people might be thinking, absolute cap that he remembers this, but because we did it so many times, I do remember that showroom on Bristol Street. It was Ferrari and Aston Martin together. And you could literally go up to the glass. It's not like showrooms now where, you know, there's bollocks, literally go up to the glass and it's there's like three foot and just a piece of glass in between you and the car. Yeah. And you're looking through it and it was just so enjoyable mm. to look at these red, bright red Ferraris. And I was just, I was just, oh. So all it, of that's going into your subconscious. It would, it, You're just soaking my it My dad in. has told me, this is the car. Ferrari is a Ferrari. And in my head, it had been embedded into me that, you know, this is the car and there is no other car after this. This is the one that you want. And sometimes I always used to say to my dad, why don't we see one on the road? Like, if That's we did, the thing. You never did, did you? Never used to see one on the road back then because they were, you know, they were and so difficult to, to acquire. And, and, and talking about talking on the road, and I used to... Um, I used to go into areas, um, uh, top end areas, very, Sutton Coalfield, you know, Sutton Coalfield, and that sort of stuff. Little Aston. I used to drive down private roads with me and one of my friends on a Sunday, um, just to see people pulling their cars out, washing them, mm. leathering them. But you know, these were very few. There were private roads, and there was very few, so they'd have a Ferrari out. But we would always know. The guy who's got the Ferrari is in that house. Yeah. And let's just. It's so, in his garage, it's a so Ferrari. We travel. Magical. We travel yeah. 10, 12 miles to go there. Just to look at the just garage. To, just to see if he's, if he's washing it today, because he always washes it on a Sunday, <laughs> but maybe he's not doing it today. We'd come back, we'd say, Shall we go again? He might have been, we'd go again. And then, you know, so on. But. And as I, as I got older, uh, from, from, from what I can remember, was that I was getting heavier. And, and, and to get me to come out the car, to go upstairs and go upstairs myself, my dad had a, had a trick to wake me up. 
So he'll be driving and, and he'll like, I'll be like fast knocked out of sleep. And my mom's prepping my dad up, right? Saying that, you know, you've got to pick him up and take him inside the house and yeah. then put him to bed. Sleeping. Yeah. But yeah. my dad had a shortcut to it. He always used to start shouting, oh, Ferrari, Ferrari, <laughs> Ferrari. I was just in a Ferrari and I used to wake up, up. <laughs> like a little kid. Right? He said, dad, where, where, where? Oh, oh you missed it. it. Yeah, I missed it. You missed it. <laughs> That's the one. That was the classic. You missed it. And I used to be awake at that time. And he went like, don't go to sleep now. Come on, you can just walk upstairs yourself mm. now. Just a quick one, guys. If you're looking to hire a luxury or supercar, make sure to check out today's guest business, Platinum Executive Travel. They've got everything from Rolls Royces and Range Rovers to Lamborghinis and a Bugatti available for self-drive hire, photo shoots, music videos, weddings, events and more. I'll leave a link to their website down in the description. Anyway, back to the podcast. So coming into around about six or seven or eight years into it, um, Aleem um, uh, went to... Um, um, uh, a simple uh, nursery type of thing and um, then uh, we uh, we actually moved from uh, where we lived. I tell you the moving point from from this nursery was that the, the kids used to get a stamp on their work like mm. a star yeah so it was like the stamp and I used to love the stamp the way that it used to clip off and the teacher used to make it a big deal when the stamp used to come out it had a lot of power if you got the star on your work you know you're a good student you know you, you're a good kid some reason I didn't used to get the stars, right? So I just stole the whole stamp. I just thought I'd just go home. Oh, bang, bang, bang. Have as many as I want. I'll just have as many as yeah. I want. But on the first day, this is you see, it's things like this that God saves you on. Because if I if I was young and I got into the mentality of that, I would have been a thief today, yeah. right? I found I got the I got the stamp, but my mom always told me one thing: lie to everyone, but never lie to me, right? Yeah. So That's I said what to my mum said as yeah, well. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so so I said to her, I said, look. I got this stamp. She goes, where did you get it from? I said, the teacher gave it me. She goes, the teacher did not give you this. I said, I took it. And that just hit her head straight away. That, that just came to her straight. She took me back to the school, gave the stamp back. For me, it was a big deal. She made it a big deal. Like, right, we've got to go. But no, don't take me. Can you just give it back? No, she goes, you're going to give it back yourself and you're going to say sorry and you're never going to do it again and all that sort of stuff. But I think something triggered in her head at the time, the area that we was living in, um, wasn't the best of areas it wasn't a council estate or anything like that but it was just um it was just um it's probably worse now than it was then but it wasn't the best of areas so, but my mom had a bigger future for me she had something in, in in her head she prioritized education uh she understood what it would take for me to be that extraordinary well i don't think i'm extraordinary at all but you know to be a little bit more special and to be a bit more clued on um and then that's when she told my dad you know let's get him out of here yeah. So did having a child motivate you to achieve more? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. From from day D, from when Aleem was born. Um, in fact, his mom was still in hospital, and um, and and I had a, a Range Rover, and me and my friend, we went over to a, a, a sweet center uh, that do you know Pakistani sweet, sweets, Pakistani Pakistan. Asian uh, con, uh, sweets, and um, he said, um, "How many do you want?" I said, "Fill the boot of the car." <laughs> And uh, I went home and I told my mother, I said, this is, I bought, I bought all the sweets. She says, how many did you bring? And I opened the boot and she was like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> she agreed as well. She was like, she, she was she buzzing says, as well. She was buzzing. But you know, she was like, it's fine. And he'd go around to every, all his friends' houses and yeah. all the people that my grandma knew yeah, and whatever and would, would, would give give away these boxes of of these um, these sweets, lovely sweets, and people would ask, you know, what's the what's the happy happy occasion? And he'll be like, this little rascal that leaves comes <laughs> as well. So, um, you know, obviously around about 2000 and... Um, sorry, not 2000, sorry, just before, about 1998, Aleem's sister was born. So um, 
um, a little, uh, kind of like um, maybe into about six months of it, probably felt a bit jealous that, you know, that all the tension is going that way or whatnot. But I left that to him, his mother, and um, and, and so on. Um, but yeah, um, but his sister was born and then so on. And, and, and ultimately we, we moved uh, around. My child, my childhood, sorry to interrupt you again, Paz, because I just thought I'd just fill in these things where he might forget that. My childhood, if people ask me, you know, um, was your dad involved? Like, did he go to the parents' evenings? Did he turn up to assemblies? What, was he there on sports day? Or, no, none of that. And I, I used to come to a point where I used to say to my mom, I'm like, mom, I'm not happy about this, right? Yeah, I said, everyone's parents, everyone's dad, right? Yeah, is, um, is at parents' evening or playing football with them in the park or gives them time and this, that, the other. I'm like, where's mine? And she goes, you'll understand when you're older why he's not here, mm. right? And, that, that, and it, that's the exact same situation <laughs> with my dad. And he, I, like, I kind of liked it because I saw him as my superhero, yeah. you know, like he was out there making the money doing yeah. business. Yeah. And my mum was there yeah. going to the parents' yeah. evenings and all of that. The only stuff. thing that, oh, sorry. The only time that my dad would give me would that when he finishes a hard day of work, I would be phoning him and he'll be like, I'm taking you Toys R Us this evening. Yeah. And I think it got to the point where he was taking me Toys R Us um, every night until I bought everything that I could possibly want from Toys R Us. Was it all car toys? <laughs> it was mostly car toys and some I video mean, games and you, stuff. You, yeah. you know, back in, in 2000, the, the phones that were working or before that were the big house bricks. House bricks. And, and, and there was, the only screen was that coming up or as the, the number that you're mm. dialing. There's no, you know, and it's a big brick and there's no silent buttons or anything like that. So the couple of parents' evenings that I had been to, obviously you've got the brick. It's like having a... Uh, a big, you know, brick in your pocket, well, a house brick, right? And um, anyway, we've gone through a few little bits and pieces. So um, around about 2002, 2003, we're, we now have moved. We're in Solihull. And the Leams every day, you know, he's up for school, getting on with it, doing great. Um, and uh, I, I actually went to a, um, a state school. Right. Uh, first, it was called Utree. And uh, when we would move to Solly Hall, I would go to this school and uh, I've got some great memories there. You know, I remember pretty much um, uh, Joker is Gilad. M m most of the people that I, I, I was with and around in that at that, um, at that school, sports day, very technical. But um, as we were getting older uh, in, in, in that school, as I was getting a little bit older, you know, the, the, the kids that were around me, they didn't really have the right vision in life. Like, you know, they were naughty boys. They were steel mopeds and, you know, um, you know, they were, they were naughty boys. Mm. And, um, and I was becoming a little bit naughty with them. But mm. when my mom was picking me up from school, she was coming in nice cars. So the headmaster said, if you don't mind me saying, Mrs. Iqbal, you know, it seems like, you know, you've got a pound or two. Um, why is he at this school? You know, I can tell you right now, he's mixing in with some of the naughty boys. And leading up to this moment as well, like my mom had caught me out doing some naughty stuff, like selling some of my toy firearms and stuff to, um, uh, to some of my friends that would come over because they'd heard that I've got a Ferrari in the garage and they'd come over to say hi and see if I'd want to come out with them. I'd open the garage up to show them the Ferrari. My toy box was next to me. They'd go through my toy box and we'll be like, do you want to sell some of your toys? And my parents have always instilled this in me, like, don't worry about business or work or anything like that. Just you, just be you. But I had that little hustler blood in me as well. Mm. So I ended up selling some of my toys. I accidentally sold a toy gun to one of my friends. But when my mom came home, I told my mom that this is what I did. And my mom started panicking because she was like, what's a little kid going to do with a little toy gun? Mm. You know? So she found out who the boy was, had to go to the 
uh, mom drove like a BB the... gun or something like that. It wasn't that. even a BB gun, bro. Right. It was like, it was just the shape of a gun. It's just like a toy, you know, oh, like okay. something, yeah. not even, yeah. but my mom wouldn't allow BB guns or anything like that. Just like, just to, just to like, for, you know, like kind of roll play pistols in my head. and all that, you know, yeah. Water yeah. Yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. cap guns. Yeah, but my mom, Back in the days, they used to do a lot of that. The yeah. water Did you have a potato shooter? Potato yes. gun. Yeah, Did yeah, you have yeah, one of them? Yeah, yeah. Pop. There's, there's <laughs> one that you go, you go yeah, the, the red ring goes into it and you fire Oh, they're the cap it. guns. Yeah. Like yeah. The That's all banned now, isn't it? Yeah. Water, potato, uh, water potato guns, really? water yeah. pistols and all that. Water pistols, they banned. Everything's banned, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, 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 so from, from, from there, then when I, when I, um, when I, when I moved school, um, when, when, when I was at that school, um, the headmaster said to my mom, you know, like, I think you should, you know, maybe um, your son will probably develop better in a, in a different environment. Do you think whatever. he saw a bit of a spark in you to say that? Yes, definitely. Mom? I think all my, all, all my headmasters, all my all my teachers have always said to my parents, there is something different about Aleem. But um, and we were happy, actually, uh, to put him into a, a prep school um, because he, 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 he really grew. Very, very it nice was game. it was it was things like learning how to eat with your knife and fork. How when you're crossing the road that you um, you respect the person that's giving you way. You take your hat off. Um, there's a certain I never knew how to tie a tie before I went to this school. Um, the way you dress. How there's a summer uniform, as a winter uniform. How you've got to pray before you eat. Um, how you know you got to formulate line. There's a lot of discipline in prep schools, you know. And now I look back at it, and now I look back at everything. I learned more in that prep school than I did in any other schooling. Um, mm. And it kind of formulated and allowed me to be ready for what was to come in life. And you know, God works in mysterious ways like that. You know, I wouldn't have been able to articulate myself in the way that I do. Um, uh, in fact, a lot of people from the Asian community um, can sometimes be confused when they hear where I was brought up um, and, 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 and who my father is and, and, and who I am. It's, why do I talk the way that I talk? You know, why doesn't he have an accent? Why is it so mm. neutral? Because it was always emphasized in these schools that, you know, your communication skills and the way that you present yourselves are, are key. Um, well, we found a prep school really teaches you to achieve and become a more rounded person. Mm. Whereas obviously with a secondary modern, it tends to, you know, if you try and achieve, you're, you're, a, you're a SWAT, aren't yep, you? Yep, and yep, you yep. get beaten up for being a SWAT. Exactly. And uh, if you talk nicely, you're beaten up for talking nicely, you know, and if you want to achieve, you're beaten down by the system because you want everyone the same. And I think, you know, we sent Curtis to a yeah. prep school as well. And all of that, you know, was good for you, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you're kind of expected to achieve when you go to certain schools like yes. that, aren't you? Yes. I think the main difference is, like you say, the people you're surrounded yeah. with yeah. rather than just the teachings. The yeah. teaching can be very similar. I suppose yes. the smaller class sizes are nice, mm -hmm. but it's mainly, like and, you said, and, the discipline the chapel the, I went to. Exactly, and the repercussions mm. of being a naughty boy are so much more mm. severe. 100%. Uh, you know, the way that they um, kind of... Uh, scare the life out of you. It's the, it's, it's the way that they do it. You know, mm. it really makes you think, I don't want to let my parents down. I don't want to let the teachers down again. Yeah, it's, it's letting them down, isn't yeah. it? Because, oh, I expect so much more from you. I see you as this student. Mm. As rather than expecting the worst from you, they expect the best. Yes. And that really so makes a big difference. coming back to uh, uh, this point and what I mentioned earlier, that basically a lot of people have been against me on the basis of family, friends and everything. That um, you know, Aleem's just you're just spoiling him too much. But I had my own ways and uh, of doing things, and I thought, well, no, um, he's my son, mm. and and I'll take him my direction. His mom's totally against it, 
And um, my, my mum was against what? Uh, on the basis that um, you're just spoiling him too much. No, you know? But it was my mum's idea to put me into good education. Yes, but absolutely. spoiling. Yes. My dad's spoiling. Yes. How did you yes. spoil me then? Um, so basically, you know, look, um, the, the, the nitty gritty points are that when he would had done his um, education, when he'd come back um, on the weekends, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd take him to places and ultimately, you know, want to give him the best. Mm. Um, you You'd know, take me out in his yeah. Ferrari. You know, we'd, we'd mm. done a, we've done a lot of, um, you know, in the early days, even though I was busy, um, but we always make time. And, you know, the, 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 there's been numerous places all around the world that we've been, you know, from the States and to, you know, all over the world. And um, and the reasoning is, is that I've always wanted to put a lean right on the front line of it. So it's saying, you know, you've got to, this is, you've got to learn. So, mm. And it broadens your horizons, correct. doesn't it, all of that? That's yes. the thing, you know, throughout life, yes. you you can't replicate. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yes. You know, And, and I, I love the quality time I got with Dad because yeah. it was so rare, you know, and yeah. I was trying to absorb as much information yes. as I could. I must admit, I did fast track it, but I still give him that quality time mm. without it. I fast tracked it, mm. but give it to him. So we went away on It holiday. was small moments, like, you know, but my favourite moments were like washing a car with my dad. You know, but my dad telling me that let's not wash it because we haven't got the equipment for it. But I'm like, no, but you promised me. You you told me never break a promise, but you promised me we were going to wash yeah, it. You're turning it back <laughs> yeah, on him. Yeah, yeah turn it back. <laughs> so you're like, all right, I've got to stick to my promise. So then we'd have to put fairy liquid in a bucket. And yeah. and now that I look back at it, if I had children and they wanted to wash my car with fairy liquid and a dishwasher sponge, I'd have to boot them on, you know? But he listened to me. He would be like, all right, fair enough if you want to do it. We're up to around about 2004 and, um, and now. Uh, 2005, which is creeping into 2005. I'm busy with the car sales. I've got a few cars on the front of the drive. It was actually in this location, this th this location, right? The car sales pitch. Uh, the car sales pitch was was running in its own grounds, uh, um, and it was 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 running. And I had sales people there. Um, the the site that we are here at the moment, we used to be based at a, another site. If I if I rewind it back just a little bit. We used to be at another site just down the road, and um, it was only it was a small car sale site with the car wash area. So in around about two thousand and five, uh, I, I thought, well, bringing in a little bit of extra revenue, we'll have a little drive-through car wash. Where if we look now, there's there's thousands and thousands and thousands of drive-through car washes. But around about 25, 28 years ago, no, there was no. very, very few. Well, in fact, very little. It was automated machines, and they were. Awful, yes. weren't they? Are you, are you talking about your drive-through car wash here? Uh, no, we had the drive-through car wash here as well, and while we had it there, so the one that we had just around the corner from here ah. um, um, was at a, a, a place called the Swan Shopping Centre, which is now and, Tesco Megastore. Yeah, Tesco right. Megastore, and what happened there was that um, we rented a site and we had it car sales on the front and car wash on the side. It was a small little site. Um, I had about twelve people working there washing cars and, one and when mechanic. I says to you um, if I says to you this is rewinding back a bit if I says to you that all these 12 people couldn't have lunch throughout the day because they would kick off at 9 in the morning and would finish at 7 o'clock and they won't wash a car with one hand they would wash it with two hands. That's how busy we were. And I and and this is and this is something that till this day that some of my dad's old workers they look at this business and say this is great and everything. But he goes the days that we had at the Swanhand Car Wash. He goes your dad 
were stacking it fat there. <laughs> and I'll tell you how he was doing it. And plus, make sure, remind them when, when you were upselling everything. Yeah, you know, we, we, you know, you get a jet wash, you get the gun, yeah? We'd never let go of the gun. Hmm. The gun, because we would move from one car, switch to the other. No customers would be outside, so they're safe because you haven't got to get out of your car. So it's, it's all just, about saving time. Mm, yeah. Get to the next one. Get, get, the, next one. get the windows down. Yeah. How much is it? Car wash used to be three quid. We used to give them a quick whistle on the wheels for two quid. Extra. We'd give them a quick drive for a couple of quid. They'd give seven quid. They'd tip you for a tenner. We Job were done. printing money. Before you know it, you're just yeah. stacking so it. So the yeah. car sales was one thing on one side, but imagine you're turning over a thousand pound a day. The cars were going all the way around the block. Yeah. And and honestly, if I says to you that there are people arguing outside saying that I'm in front of you, and I'd <laughs> say to them, listen, don't worry about that. I'm still going to do you quicker. Don't you panic. I like you. <laughs> don't argue. And you, I love you too. Don't argue. We'll get you sorted. And they'd be like, okay. But he did put, I know he pushed. Don't worry about it. We're not bothered. We're both, you're both going to get done same time. Bring peace. Let's get moving. And, um, and then anyway, um, eventually... Uh, we got evicted from that car wash because what had happened was um, they were doing a building development and um, they asked me to leave. And I said, well, I'm making so much money. Are you stupid? Mm. Like, how can I just leave? Because yeah, you've way? established yourself yeah. there. People know where you yeah. are. This yeah. is, we understand that. But, but we're opening a Tesco mega store here. Yeah, right? <laughs> listen, you haven't paid your rent for six months. I said, no, I'm prepared to pay the rent. You haven't collected the rent. Mm. This is, we haven't collected it for the simple reason because we want you out. I said, well, that's fine. But you're going to have to give me a bit of time. How long? I said, well, another three months. He said, okay, can we just put it in writing? I said, yeah, of course you can. So I'll give him a three months notice. I put it in writing. Three months came by, came back really fast. I said, I need a bit more time. He says, no, no. Anyway, long story short, they, they said, look, we're going to have to instruct bailiffs to throw you out. So the bailiffs came along and said to him, listen, I'm making bundles here, mate. I'm making absolutely bundles here. You honestly think I'm going to go? And look at the team there. There's a lot of men there. They're all eating. Come on. He says, please, man, look, we've got a job to do. Can we get it sorted? Anyway, I said, look, for you, because you've asked me nicely and, you know, genuinely, they've been bullying me with solicitors' letters and all that sort of stuff, and I'm not one to get bullied. Um, so are we moving forward? He, he said, look, 30 days. I said, hold 30 days. We moved out of there. By then, we'd bought this site. This was a funny one as well because, um, you know, th this came along in a such a way where they, petrol stations were closing down. Texaco's yeah. were selling all their sites. And, um, and we bought this site and um, uh, we rented it first. And uh, the building was here, yeah? No building, nothing. No, no building no. Just, a, just imagine a petrol station mm. shop yeah. and a petrol station canopy okay, and with no petrol it. pumps on it. Nothing. And just that's it. So we used this as a car wash. And we used it as, as, the, uh, as the area around the front to sell cars. Uh, done nothing to it. Probably spent about 10 grand on it, you know, nothing. And we just cracked on with it. Um, and then we were renting it for a couple of years or thereabouts, a couple of three years. And, um, and came along Mr. Texaco and said, look, do you want to buy it? And um, it was, you know, it was just, I just shook his hand mm. and I had to deal with him. And funny enough, um, um, without remembering exactly what the figures were, but... I knew what the figures were on the offset. And he said, he said, look, if you can complete within the next 30 days, I'll throw 20 grand off, off the deal. Now, 20,000 pounds 20 years ago a lot, mm. is 100 grand today. Yeah, yeah. And I looked at him and I thought, 
is this guy really mm. from where I think he's from? Because this is too good to be true. Mm. But it was true. Mm. I've done the deal. Nice deal. Time. All the best deals are done yeah, like that. All the best deals done like that. Yeah, yeah. And then um and then I, I and they owned um next door as well. And um and I says to them next door, I says, Well, how much is that? They says one point two million. And I went, Okay. It was a building, the building that you see the whole day. Building mm -hmm. next door. I said, Well, look, can I rent that? temporarily so what i done was i rented that off them and i filled it all up all their car parks upstairs and downstairs 180 cars 180 cars a couple of 200 cars all filled it all up um anyway they had the pressure on now they had to sell that so they said how much i said how much he says 1.2 million i said all right well let's have it so i bought it off them for 1.2 million um but as i'd bought it a couple of friends of mine got wind of it and they came along and they said oh can we have it because we want to build a hotel there. I said, yeah, yeah. So he said, look, we'll, whatever you've paid, mm. we'll give you 100 grand on top or something. I've gone, um, do you know what? I didn't have the 1.2 million anyway. Yeah, go on then, let's go. Quick bit of profit. So you've done a quick uh, flip. Yeah. yeah. So I just flipped it. Uh, and they're happy. They're in it today. They're happy. big developers here yeah. in Birmingham. Mm. Um, and they have uh, multiple different hotels as well, some of the biggest. Uh, they buy buildings and, and they put up buildings like uh, like Dubai level. You mm. know, it's just they're just coming up uh, uh, luxury housing and everything. But this was their first, this was their first purchase. This yeah. is what got them started. Um, so yeah, you know, lovely guys took it on board. Happy to give it to them. Great people. Um, and uh, we said, you know, we're going to build a showroom here. They said, sure, do what you like, no problem. We'll let the we'll give the planners thumbs up and say, you know, we'll support it all the way. And it's um, a very unique looking building as yeah, well. Yeah. When you come, yeah, you think, yeah. oh, that looks really awesome. We'd like really to go awesome. another floor up one day, maybe. But the proposal, you know, it, the, uh, it's there. The idea was for the building to be functional for our business and the use that it was it was going to be uh, having. For example, the cars are going to be in and out. They need to be washed. There needs to be a dry bay. There needs to be a wet bay. There needs to be... And you've um, got the lift as well. Yeah. yeah. So when you actually see cars upstairs here, um, this, we didn't ever um, plan on, you know, wanting to like display cars. Cars on display up, upstairs here is, is not it's good. Making no money. Yeah, it's making mm -hmm. us no money. But luckily, 90% um, uh, of these cars here are not actually for hire or, or for sale. It's They're just, just on our private collection. Correct. And, and it's good for social media. Anyway. Yes. 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 <laughs> and um, so before we, we come on to this, so around about 2004, um, sorry, 2000 and. Um, um, five stroke six. Um, this is when five. you had your Ferrari 360. Yeah. So I had a Ferrari 360, yeah, that's it. Me and my wife, we went and um, stayed in um, London, Dorchester. And uh, we went there and um, and uh, we pulled up into the car park in the front. I put the Ferrari on the front and we, we, we were in the hotel. And I came out one Sunday morning and I looked outside and there was a vehicle registration number RR06. D-O-R. I thought, Dorchester. Great. Like that car. Nice. Phantom. It's a pinnacle of luxury. Beautiful. Mm. Because... It was a house on wheels at the time, yeah, at a because, quarter of a million. Because Simon Cowles had just bought one, a black one, uh, a long wheelbase, um, uh, a year after. and um, and But looking at this one, I really loved it. And I says to the guy, I says, how much is that to take me to... Harrods, me and my wife. He said it's 120 pound an hour. I said, great. I'll have two hours off you. He says, no, no. This is a catch. I said, what is it? He said, you got a minimum four hours. While I'm having this conversation, my wife turns up from behind. 
And she says, well, what is it? I said, oh, they've got this car here and it's 480 quid plus the VAT. Just she says, no, 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 we don't want it. We don't want it. She says, no, no. She says, it's okay, sir. It's all right. He's not feeling well. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't want it. He's having one of his turns. I says, mate, I said, listen, I'll tell you what I can talk it into, right? If you can do me two hours and I'll give you 300 quid. He says, no, sir, we can't do that. It's It's got to be that. £120 an hour plus the VAT, minimum four hours. He says, no, that's not going to work. I said, how does this five minutes? I'll catch a cab. I'll be there in five minutes. He says, yeah, but that's the best. That's why, mate, leave. Are you sure? Yeah, 100%. Okay, mate, sound. So anyway, I've gone to Harris now in, in a black cab because I never used to take the Ferrari because it, it's a parking situation. Mm. So we've gone there. But what's going through my head now is thinking, I've got to get one of these phantoms because this guy it was a light just moment. told me mm. 400 quid, right, for four hours. He's off. Yeah, he's head. just printing money. So anyway, I've come along. Um, I've come back to Birmingham Monday morning. I've jumped in my Rover 213, the Honda engines. Gone to the local dealership, a guy called John Cart. It's uh, always about the balance, isn't it, Mark? Mm. Even though you've got a Ferrari, you've got to have something like a Rover just yeah. to... Yeah. Just yeah. I've just come back, yeah. come back, gone down the road and um, to a guy called John Cart. Sat with him, about midday, sat with him, had a conversation. I said, I want to buy a Rolls Royce. He says, yeah, come on then, let's show you. Let's sit down. So he sat down and everything. He said, I said, have you got any here? You can just show me. He took me around the back. I couldn't believe it. Guess what? Gunmetal Grey, Rolls-Royce Phantom. Going says, to the Isle of White or Man? Going to the Isle of Man. I says, I'll have this one. I'll buy this one off you now. He says, no, this is sold. This is sold. Mm. But he knew from that moment, this guy is serious. Mm. I said, okay. Let's go back in the office. Can you build me a spec exactly the same as that? And that car's downstairs at the moment. And it started at 264 grand and we landed at 244. And this was him on the floor bleeding at 244, <laughs> right? He was like... Never I, sold you know, a car cheaper. It, and so, so I said to him, I said, look, <laughs> we've got a problem. It's We've took two hours here, mate. I've got to go. I've got to go and pick up his son from school. Mm. And he went, oh my God, what a TW. Serious time waster, mm. but I weren't time wasted because the other problem I had, I never had my checkbook with me, mm. so I had to go back to the office anyway. So anyway, I've come over to Solio, picked up a lean. I said, "Listen, we're going to buy a Rolls Royce." Now a lean is. I do remember. Yeah, I was in my school uniform. Is, you're right. Um, you <laughs> Fourteen know, years old. 13, Thirteen. Years Fourteen old. years old. So I've took him to the dealership. What, were you sure? No, no, no. Actually, I was a bit younger, Pops. I was 11, 12, because when I went to secondary 12, school... Yeah. That's no, he's 12 years old. That's 12, it. So yeah. was this just normal? Were you shocked at that point that that's uh, what was happening? I was excited, Yeah. but I was more into, like, uh, the Ferraris. Like, mm. I, I got more upset when my dad told me that he was selling a Ferrari to buy a Rolls Royce. Like, yeah. I was like, no, my life's so ending. I, I yeah. said to John, I said, John, listen, it's 244 grand. You and me got a deal. Now, I want to throw a Partex. And he says, well, you can't have it all. You can't have your Partex value high. And you can't have, you know, of you course. can't have it all. Yeah. You know, you've got to hustle, right? So I said, um, look, um, where are we then? He said, I'd give you 88 grand for the Ferrari without looking at it. You've given me the details and I've got it underwritten at 88 grand. I said, okay, I'll let you know. But I've got to go now. I pick my son up. I'll come back. He thought he's never going to see me again. I'll come back. I've pressed the bell because of the bell button. You got to, It's a pipe appointment only. You've gone inside. He said, oh, welcome back. See, I'll just have to pick my son up. Anyway, so I said, he said, just want to show my son the car. Showed him the car. We were there for about 15 minutes. Yeah. Wrote him the check out for £44,000 and gave him the check. And I said, look, I'll let you know if I want to give you the Ferrari in part exchange or I'll give you the cash. Mm. But the other problem, 
when am I going to get the car? He said, well, now, now you've given me your money, I'll go and do some work on it. Okay, no problem. So about this grey car that was sitting there, we had a choice of specking our car up ex- however, however want. we wanted. Yeah. And my dad asked him, he goes, have you got one here? He goes, well, well actually, I do have one round the back. It's, going, it's, going, it's about to get delivered to the Isle of Wight or Isle of Man. And have a look at this specification for the car. As soon as my dad has seen the specification of this car, he was, I don't know why you loved it, right? Because we could have come up with loads of other ones. In hindsight, we still have that Rolls Royce till today. He says you can come to the factory and you can can spec it all of us. You can do whatever you want. He just falls in love with that car. He goes, goes, that one looks all right. That'll do. Just replicate that exact car because it was just safe. You know, you're spending Mm. a lot of money. This is the one that you physically see in front of you. You Mm. like it. So just go with this one. So it was very easy to spec up. We've got a lot of businesses going on. We've got the car sales. We've got the transport uh, job going with the lorries. We've got the drivers in there. We've got the transport going. We've got the car washes going. And now we've attached this on. Um, so anyway, we've bought this, um, done the deal with him, 200 grand. Uh, I've come back to the showroom and um, here, not this wasn't the showroom. This was the kiosk with the petrol station, car washes happening, car sales in the front. And Lee was 12 years old and he says to me, he said, look, um, can I just bring the Ferrari around the front? So, so to buy this car, obviously we were parked, 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 exchanged it, and the Ferrari was sold. Now, mm. um, I, I kicked up a fuss when my dad sold the three five five, and now the three sixty uh, was gone. Um, uh, it was, it was, you know, it was a bit of a, a heartbreaking moment for me. But I thought, you know, I want yeah. so to send what, it what, off. What Liam says, well, no, what I says oh, to you're really going to put me into this one. What now, I says to um, tell this story, are you? What I says to John Cart, I said, look, I may sell this to you, I may not sell it to you. But when I got back, I found another dealer um, in uh, Marlow. And he said, look, I'll I meet hope you. he's not listening to this right I now. I said, look, he said, I'll meet you at Heathrow Airport, Crown Plaza Hotel. I know the one. He said, I'll meet you yeah. at the Crown Plaza Hotel. And um, I'll have a look at the car and I'll buy it off you. But the guy had a good track record because I'm all the time. He's in the Sunday Times. Just like Tom Hartley, he's always in mm. the Sunday Times. We know he's bulletproof. So this guy was good. Too. So anyway, um, I've just, uh, I, I made an appointment with him. I said I'd come and see you on the, on the Friday. I'll come and see you, and we'll have a deal. No problem. He says bring all your documents with you and everything. So you know we'll, we'll we'll wrap the deal up. So we're into around about Tuesday or something, and Aline um, says, "Can I just bring the car around from the other side into this?" Twelve years old, and I've given him the keys. And all I heard, I'm sitting in the in, downstairs in the office, and I heard the whole building shake. What the hell was happening there? So I've gone outside. Aleem's only scraped the side of the car against the post, against the, the post of the building. So the, the, the building is there, and then there's a safety post on. Yeah. He's hit the safety post. Mm. He's shook the safety post into the, the whole building's moved. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, oh my amazing. Life. I said, don't panic. He didn't Listen. stress. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Listen, a lot I of said, people ask I me. I said, don't panic. Listen, we'll get it sorted. Come on, jump jump out for now. Jump out. So he's quite chilled about yeah. it, yeah. I've rang um, the body shop. The company, they've shut down now in Birmingham. Rang them. I said, Listen, I'm coming to see you with a Ferrari. Okay. Took it there. I said, Listen, you've got a couple of days, three days to put this right. Okay. So anyway, Wednesday's gone, Thursday's gone. Friday morning, I've gone up there. He says, you've finished it, but we need a bit of time. Don't forget, we're 20 years behind. There's no bakes, ovens. No. He says, the paint's still soft. Yeah. still yeah. soft. Says, it doesn't matter. I'm going to London. <laughs> me and my wife, 
She jumped in. I've jumped in. Driving to London. Crown Plaza Hotel. Pulled up. The fellas looked around the car. Says the tires, the boots. You know, want a bit of this, want a bit of that. £93,000. I'll give you 92 and a half grand. Um, I've gone, okay. Deal's done. 92, 500. Says, follow me up to my house. Um, so we followed him up to his house. Lovely house. Wrote me a receipt out. 92,500 pound, and um, found the bank. Tele, you know, you have to tele physically yep. telephone the bank, and um, they've done the transfer. Um, now, for me to check that the money's hit my account, no, I've got, I don't know this guy. He's got all the paperwork. He's got mm. everything. He's the shebang. He's got it. He's. I'm phoning the bank. So we've come out now. Me and my wife have come out, and we're going to catch a train back. So we've just dropped off a car for, for ninety-two grand, long time ago, and. Um, he said he's done the transfer, which I do believe him because he's done it in front of me, but he hasn't hit my account. So I phoned him back after about 40 minutes and I said, look, um, the money hasn't come in. He says, well, I've done it. It's done. He's given the logbook, the keys, yeah. the mm. car, everything. He's got onto the train. He says, no, I've done it. It's done. Yeah. So I'm ringing the bank every 60 seconds. And I mean 60 mm. seconds. Were you thinking it was a scam at the time? Well, I did for a bit, didn't I? Mm. Because, well, you panic, don't you? Because yeah, yeah. that's all me, that's my livelihood, isn't it? Because like you lose £100,000, it's like losing half a million pounds today, mm. right? It's a lot of money. And trust me, you fall over, it'd be hard to get back up. Um, so my wife says, uh, Aline's mom says, uh, look, um, it'll be all right. It'll be all right, let's go. <sighs> Sorry, mate. I can't follow you on this one. I love you, but not that much. I'm mm. not listening to this one. Waiting for the money to come. A couple of minutes before five o'clock. So I've been on him. A couple of minutes before five o'clock. Yeah, the money's landed. Thank you. Let's <laughs> go. Caught the train back. I'm happy. Says to John. Started bullying John now. John Cart, you know. Used to ring him every couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing really well. You know, the factory. I think as soon as that sale went through, I think we can safely say that the chapter for Platinum Executive Travel started at that very moment. Because right. the only thing my dad thought about from that point onwards, was not buying and selling cars, yeah. was just the car hire game. Yeah. The amount of times I would hear the word Rolls-Royce Phantom out of his mouth a day, it was it was sickening. It was right. like five, 600 times, 700 mm -hmm. times a day, Rolls-Royce Phantom this, Rolls-Royce Phantom that, this is. And it all stemmed from that trip to London yeah. when we you were, were gonna we rent were, that car. Exactly, yeah, we crazy. Were, we were doing, we were doing, no exaggeration, honestly, two and a half thousand pounds for a local wedding in a Phantom. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't wait to get the car. But how was I going to get the car? Couldn't ring Rolls-Royce, could I? I don't know. I had to ring John Cart. John Cart was so used to me. But you know what? Tolerated me all the way. Mm. Really nice guy. And do you know when I went to pick the car up off him? I went and picked the car up off him. And, um, and I pulled him to one side. And I said, look, John, um, I need to tell you something. He says, what's that? I said, look, I'm coming back to you in a couple of weeks to order another one because I want to buy another one. And he thought, yeah, thought, yeah, you know. People don't get over you, one first, you, you're, you're you are, second. You are dreaming, yeah. you know. Mm. I mean, I thought you was dreaming when you come here first time around, but now, you jo now you're just joking. So um, anyway, um, this was in October, I collected the car, and um, around about the back end of November, I went back to him, and John says to him, I said, just remember what you says to me? Two months to make a car. Well, you've got your two months. I want one on the 1st of March, 2007. Here's my deposit. What's the deal? He went, no way. <laughs> yeah. And I said, look, I've done my share of the bargain. You've got to do yours now. The last one was 244. 
This one was 238. Oh, that's all right then. Perfect. I went and picked up the car from him. Walked out of there and I said, John. Uh, the, how, by the way, the, the, the second one that came about, we actually spec'd this up. We actually put a bit more thought into this specification mm. for the second one. The registration on it was RR07 Papa Ekotonga Pet. Mm. And, and we went to the factory, Goodwood, um, to, to spec this one up. I was taken out of school. I took a day off school that day. They don't actually allow anyone under 16, or I think it was under 18 at the time, whatever it was, um, to, to, to come along. But John Carts had wavered that for us as well. So I was 14 years old. He puts us in his six series BMW because BMW are part of the Rolls-Royce yeah. group. That was his company car at the time. And we went to the factory. We got a full tour of the factory. And at the end, they say, right, let's walk into this room, spec up your car now. And we spec'd it in a silver with black interior. Silver with black. And why did we go silver with black? Corporate. Because we had a, a client who said, look, I want a silver one of these with black interior. So you listen to the market and mm. then you, yeah. you got a car for but that. It, but that client... Was a special client. That mm. special client nearly paid for the car. Really? Wow. Isn't it? So did the car sales finish at that point? No, still going. We're still flat out. We We've still have no showroom. There's a there's yeah. a petrol station canopy yeah. and, and, and a petrol station cars shop, which is used as the, the office. So cars, water leak. Cars are parked at the house. So around about 2007, when we picked this car up, I says to John, I said, I'll be back next year and I'll have another one. Because if you remember, them days, they only used to be once a year, the reg used to come out. It used mm, to be out in right. August. August. Yeah. No, that March. Because you used to spot them, didn't you? Yeah. So, right. So it was August. So now... You know, I'm buying and selling number plates. Well, not selling them, but I'm buying number plates and various bits and pieces, doing other little stuff. So we used to get onto the internet and buy these number plates and put the pet on them. Uh, so we had RRO 56, we had RRO 7. So when I went to buy another, so I, I said to myself, I'll come back next year, 08. So 2008, I've gone back to John. So I'll have another one. But what's the deal? It's like your catchphrase. What's the deal? What's the deal? <laughs> so we're back in the dealing room. We're back mm. in the hustle. I think it was about 220,000. When I bought that one off him, there was one part next to it. And that was a... Non-sunroof. Non-sunroof phantom. I said, what about if I have the both of them today? How much is that one? He says, that's our demo car. You can have that for 190. Mm. I said, okay, we'll throw it all in the mix. So... In. But 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 Mark uh, and Curtis, at this time, uh, let, let me just reiterate the competition, the market. Um, it wasn't as saturated as it is today. No. Uh, the competition wasn't as heavy. You got to bear in mind, you know, people putting a lot of ball. I mean, S classes, Bentley, um, uh, Bentley Anage or something like mm. that. Fantastic cars gets the wedding job done. The Rolls Royce Phantom at this time was, you know, was was some big popper stuff. You know, it was it was it was the. It was a quarter of a million pound. Mm. You either buy a house or you buy a car type of statement that they had on the car. But when we had a driver and people were going, we had clients that wanted to just go for a day to Harrods to do some shopping. Then you've got the wedding market coming in. And then, you know, my dad being so um, regimented in the way that the driver's got to look and the way that the car's got to go out in the way that the job is done. At that time, he only had one job a day. Today, mashallah, he has 35 jobs a day, 40 jobs a day to do. But back then, that one job, he used to take so much pride in it mm. and the service that we were giving that the business grew and expanded at, at a very fast rate. Did it grow through like word of mouth or were you doing any well, other no, marketing? We've done a lot of marketing. We've done a lot of shows. We've done websites. See, uh, if you think I'm good at um, marketing um, and I do 
what I do. I learned most of it from my dad. We done brochures. We designed some brochures which were Rolls Royce standard. In fact, Rolls Royce loved them. And the, you know, brand alignment, you know, yeah. mm. you know, just awesome. And we had photo shoots done with the car that the camera the, size of the of, of where the photo shoot was taken. It was so many million megapixels. The camera was the size of, um, you know, these a, guys a big they machine shoot, they gun shoot, of some kind. They shoot really? photos for um, for di on diamonds and golds and yeah. uh, and that sort of stuff. And you know, and and I and I got them to do it. You know, it wasn't cheap, but I wanted it. It's got to be done right. Mm. That's that's where we are. Pinnacle. It's got to be right. Um, so we, we were into a phase it's like where we what your, your mum said back in the day like yeah. when you went to the lawyer it's yeah. got to be done right so you've taken that on board Correct. and put it through your life sorry and the first thing my dad said to me on the phone when I asked him is Mark and Curtis here he goes yeah they are here and he goes I'm glad you got me onto a podcast with these guys because I think their motto aligns with our motto it says you either do it uh, you do it, do, right it, you do, do, it. do it right or don't do it at all mm. with the setup that you so guys have. So we're coming to around about 2007 and just reverse him a little bit back because I missed a few things out Aleem was getting a little, little bit bored in life. And, and, you know, he was at the stage where, you know, Dad, I don't like all these Rolls Royce carry-on. I want some Ferraris and Lamborghinis. So anyway... My one, dad didn't like Lamborghini yeah, at this time. So one day we were driving uh, in town, um, in, in, in town, and um, I was in the Rolls Royce, and he said, look, I, f I found a, Rolls, uh, a brand new Lamborghini Gallardo. It's in Edinburgh, and it's a Saturday morning, and... Um, they want 155 grand for it, 154,950. So I found the fella up on the other side, a guy called um, Andy Canning. Still deal with him today. And um, I said, uh, look, this is Lamborghini, how much is it? Da, 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 da. And he said, look, um, you know, this is where it is. You know, where do you want to be? I said, listen, I will give you a payment now, a deposit, right? And buy the car off you. I want to give you 145 grand. But before we got on to this deal, right, my dad was really winding me up because every time I would say to him, Dad, the car to get now is a Lamborghini, he'll just tell me, shit cars. Well, you know when my dad says me says to me, it's a shit car, my heart breaks, especially if I'm so because invested we've, we've into the Because we've been bought up. We've been bought up. Um, Mushilagos, Diablos, all these Kuntash. cars. Kuntash. They, they, Kuntash. Oh, my God. They used to say, Beautiful if you want to sell a Kuntash, if you want to sell a Kuntash, you're a salesman, don't let the customer drive it. No. Just take his money. Yeah. Then let him drive you it. You know, the Countach goes faster without the rear wing on it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, just there yeah. for show, period. Yeah. If you want to sell a Countach and all these cars, Hartley and all that, take the money, yeah. sell him the car. Because he'll be back in three months selling it back to you. Yeah. And then you just do the same thing again. So anyway, we bought this lamp, put him on the phone. I said, look, I'll give you 145 grand and I'll transfer you five grand over. It's gone. Go on then, done. Sent me the bank details. Sent him five grand. On the Monday morning, it was Saturday, on Monday morning, phoned him back up and said, I need to speak to so-and-so. It's not here. Who's this? Me. Oh, yeah, you bought the Galada. You're lucky you got that car the other day because we were just joking. We, we were just pulling the bluff with you, thinking that he ain't going to buy this car. It's just a time waster. He says, no. I said, I have bought it. He says, no, we know you've bought it because you've given the deposit. And um, uh, he said, um, he said, but we thought he was joking and we just accepted the 145 thinking he's just, he ain't going to do it. Right. And I said, no, I've bought it. And I said, I want you back. I want the rest of the invoice so I can get the rest of the money over. So I'm going to pick the car up. Um, and anyway, so I bought the car off him, 
So they've uh, given you a stupidly low deal because they didn't correct. think you were going to yeah. buy yeah. it. And this has been the case uh, with with a lot of salesmen, even even t till today. I mean, recently I bought a white um, Lamborghini Evo Spider that was up for two hundred and forty five thousand pounds. I got forty thousand pounds knocked off because they thought that well, <coughs> that it's, it's a very unorthodox way mm. of of someone purchasing the car. But I've learned all this off my dad anyway. So mm. um, you know, me getting a discount on that is everything that he's Don't taught forget, me. You know? you know, we've always had this approach because you've either you've got either, either got to be confident and 110 percent yeah or not be there at all yeah. in the same with the auction talking about the aggressiveness that you know we'd be bidding like this and the auction would say yeah it is your bid and say yeah well you know so somebody else would be thinking well there's no point me bidding because he's mm. not going to stop anyway so there's no point he's going to buy it yeah and i'd nick the car for about let's say three and a half thousand pound and what would happen is i'd sell the same car for five thousand pounds so, Paul, going back to um, the Lamborghini, that was the first supercar that we had on yeah. the uh, on the yeah. fleet. So, the first supercar we bought. So, I got kind of Liam out the way now. So, he's happy. I'm happy a, now. So, at this time, were you working in the business? No. Uh, so, Curtis, I was at school at this moment of time. I was at uh, Warwick School, um, at an all-boys <laughs> school, um, focusing really. I wasn't really focused on the business, didn't really know much about it. This was all my dad. The photo shoots, the marketing, the branding, the website, the buying the cars, the opera, everything was my dad. I didn't have no say in it. The only thing I was benefiting and enjoying off this was that my passion and my hobby for cars uh, was being lived through the, the cars. And yeah, it was being yeah. lived through the business. And my dad, how he would get me involved is would, you know, when the car's not parked correctly on the driveway, will say to me, son, jump into the car and I'll tell you how to park it up. And that was my little buzz. And knowing that I can go pick up some a takeaway with my dad on a Sunday, we'll knock down the roof and go for a little drive. And Finally, it's not a Ferrari anymore, it's a Lamborghini, and Lamborghinis were now becoming the cool thing. When the Gallardo uh, came along, Audi, that was Audi, when, when they merged with Lamborghini, that was one of their first cars that they released, which now, <laughs> looking back at it in hindsight, was one of the most important models for the brand. Um, it, it, it propelled them to where they became a today. reliable car. It, was it reliable, Pops? Well, it was more reliable than the ones that yeah, came the before, ones before it. Before, yeah, before it was, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. It, the, Black on black with yellow calipers, yellow yeah, stitching, uh, Alcantara down the middle, it's the sway down the middle. Um, gearbox could be clunky a little bit sometimes, but wow, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it, was, it was the first step for Platinum diversifying themselves, not away from luxury cars, and also for my dad to kind of have a taste of what it's like to do the supercars. Um, then obviously we just merged into slightly, you know, different stuff, um, uh, Bentleys, uh, but more into the Rolls-Royce brand. I mean, you know, up to date, um, we're, we're, we're not over with numbers. We've probably purchased about 30 Rolls-Royces and about 30 Lamborghinis. Um, now I think um, maybe a bit more Rolls-Royces than yeah, that. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe so. It's like that's, but, that only comes to like but, but, you know, two a year. We got used to John Cart until he retired at 2012 and before he retired... I, uh, I said to him, I said, look, um, I want to buy a Rolls-Royce. Um, drop it. Drop it off you. And uh, funny enough, the drop it picture is the one up there. And um, and the car's still um, in our vicinity. And uh, I said, look, I want to buy a Rolls-Royce. Drop it off you, uh, a white one with red interior. And he said, yeah, that's fine, no problem. These cars are like £330,000, all spec'd up, singing and dancing. Mm. And um, and he sold it to me for two hundred and seventy-five grand. 
And uh, so that his last sale then? That's his last to sale you. to me. Yeah, before he retired, he, that's he's, nice. he's just. He's but just Mark, it also comes down with the the, the, the loyalty side of things mm. as well. So like, when, when as I see you guys discussing all of this, I think to myself like, I know my dad's mentioning numbers and he's mentioned what he bought it for and a great deal that he has. He's reliving these moments. But what are the main reasons, or what are the reasons that makes someone? Um, you know, approachable, lovable, or or the salesman giving, because you know what salesmen are like in, the, in this day and age, they'll come at your neck and, you know, they want to get everything, the deal has to, the ball has to be in their court at all times. But what we're hearing on this side is that he's getting a deal time and time and time again. Loyalty mm. is the main uh, uh, the main, the key word here, um, you know, whether you're loyal with your barber, whether you're loyal with the person that you're buying the car from. Andy Canning, who he's mentioning about these Lamborghinis, he bought his first one in 2007. 30, 30 cars later, 30 plus cars later, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, can't put an exact number on it. Uh, and they, st and he still hasn't changed the dealer. So, you know, and the same went with Rolls Royce and the same with everything else that he does in life. My father is a very loyal person. And once he sniffs that someone gives him the same respect and the loyalty back, he gives them, you know, 10 times more. And then, you know, it escalates. They give him 10 times back. I've been, and I've been in the same barbershop for 25, 30 years. So I think that, that that's the key here because I don't want people to be listening to this podcast and thinking that, oh, you know, well, how come I can't get that deal? What's, what, what, what is it about me? I mean, I struggle to do certain things that my father struggles to do. Uh, sorry, that he does very well, you know, um, you know, negotiating, getting in certain deals. When I get stuck out of, you know, squeezing some more money out of someone or, or, or you know, chopping off at a deal. I'll put my hands up and I say, Dad, I've physically done everything I could possibly do, I feel. And I think, you know, if you can get it another pound less, I'll shake your hand and I'll say, Dad, you are a This is what way. these guys live for. And you they know, love it, don't you? You, you love this. Your dad does the same. Yeah, yeah, the thing exactly. is, so you said about the barbers. I mean, it's as simple as that. Restaurant barbers, whatever. If you go in there and you get exactly what you got the first time and you get that every time because that's the experience you want. Exactly. You know, you've cut my trim my beard, you've, you've done my, my wax on my ears or whatever it is, done the haircut. Every time it's exactly the same service. If you want a coffee, there's a coffee there. Yeah, that's what you want. Why do you need to change? It's through thick and thin. You only change because they've cut corners and they're not giving you the same service anymore and they, they've tried to save a bit. And you go, oh, I'm going to look for somewhere else. Same service. Yeah, good service. Um, you know, um, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and and look, restaurants, as you said, I walk into the restaurant, there's a couple of people with me, there's my wife with me, um, you know, and my niece or something like that. And um, he'll take everybody's order and he'll look at me and say, oh, I know what you want, uncle. He knows what I want. Mm. I'll only have the same thing. Just so you know what you like. Yeah, I know what I like. So that's <laughs> it. And, you know, stomach gets filled up, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, and, and and that's where we are on, on the overall. And then around about 2000 and. And when it really started booming and started kicking, I remember uh, with it, with the supercar side of things as well as the, the chauffeur-driven stuff was I would say around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, plus when the Audi R eight came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them sort of stuff. We we, we put them sort of cars on board uh, R eights, Bentley, uh, Range Rovers. Um, Bearing in mind some of these cars that were on the fleet, he was still buying from British Birmingham car auctions. Every Tuesday, this is where I came along now. So like I got to live the whole auction experience, but not on the the, the 50 pound, the two 300 pound knackers. Mm. We're talking every Tuesday, there was a finance repossession auction. So after school, my dad would pick me up, 
still in my school uniform, mm -hmm. would go to the auction, full of fumes, this whole room is, there's a big extractor fan in there, doesn't work, big blower heater, everyone's got their cup of tea in their hand, it's like, <laughs> bid me 250, 250, 253, that's all you're hearing, like not, and now the finance repossession stuff's coming through, and every now and again, you'll get a, a, a standard SE version of a Range Rover come through, or you'll get like a, you know, sometimes a Bentley come through, or a Rolls Royce, and he was so, you know, instead of buying it from everywhere, anywhere else, he would be still buying these cars from, um, Birmingham car auctions and what we would do to them is we'd buy an SE Range Rover like a, a 2007 2008 um, TDV6 Range Rover and we'll look online and we'd buy a HST body kit for it for like two and a half grand three grand slap the HST kit on it put the 22 inch Stormer wheels on it mm. put a nice number plate on it wrap it in white bang 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 they're going out on hire like, like crazy and we're buying the car cheap we're adding value to it by putting on a kit. No one really cared now about, oh, is it a five liter V8 supercharged? Is it this or is it that? It's a Range Rover. It's, it's, it's economical. You know, we haven't got to keep fueling it up. It's got the right uh, wheels on it. It's got the right body kit on it. And, and that, was, that was something that my father and I worked on. With you that you sound so passionate when you're talking about that. Do you reckon that's when your mindset shifted from just being passionate about cars and yes. actually being passionate about the business? Yes, exactly. Well, for, like my dad didn't know about like my dad knows about the cars and stuff and and I know but I was I'd also had knowledge on certain body kits and certain things of what people would like because you know I'd, I'd have a little browse on on YouTube or on the internet and you know like there was there wasn't there wasn't websites but it was called cartooncars.com where you would see like drawings of cars in cartoon car versions. Right. And then mm. we'd, I'd go on to a, an archive gallery of all the cars that were spotted in the world. And I'd see these kits. And then, you know, I'd see that the kit was up for like seven and a half, eight grand. But then there's this knockoff Chinese one that's exactly the same as it, uh, as, as, the, as the official OEM body kit. Yeah. And we would just buy them. My dad didn't really used to like cutting corners like that. But once we tried the kit out the first time and we saw the quality was there. It probably came from the same factory. You never know. Yeah. Like they just stamp their exactly. label on it or whatever exactly and, exactly you know, there, there comes a time where you know when i was when i was younger and at Liam's age and everything you know i i, I love i loved cars but you come to a, a level now that you think to yourself that look um these are just um uh, my children out there working and, and making money for me so i put the when you cars say your out. children the cars, the are, cars children. are my children mm -hmm. so <laughs> you know, they're out there working and i want people to look after them and and respect them and drive them nicely and ultimately, they bring uh, they bring money in, um, and, and that's how I pitch it. But then you know you, you always want better things, and and as the, the brands go on, they better their cars, and you you've got to get the latest cars and be on top of the market because ultimately people want the best. Um, they do want to pay, but they want the best. Curtis, when when you ask when did I get brought into the business, yeah. I feel like I got brought into the business from my dad. When my dad was giving me respect in, in the way that when I was suggesting or mentioning things, even though I'm so young, he wouldn't just like brush it to the side and be like, I'm older, I know everything. And no, he'd discuss it with me. And then he'd, he'd, he'd show me a different perspective of it. And then we'll listen to my side of things. And then we'll implement some things that, that I would like. And that's when I started to have some sort of say in the business, made me want to be part of the business Ultimately, because it's putting it's my responsibility on and putting the responsibility on you've got to throw a little bit of weight and say okay well even though i think i'm right but i i don't think alim is fully into it but i will still go with him and let's go down that route and i may lose money on that i may lose money but 
I'll rather go down there. It puts him in the firing line. We put you on the front line. You deal with it. And either way, you're both going to learn a lesson. Correct. Whether it's good, yes, bad, absolutely. you've learned a lesson. I think that's what really good. sets you two apart. Like you actually like listen and you're always constantly learning. Yep. You're not feeling like you know everything. I, and even I think up too to many today, old people like that. Specs up all the cars and I just give it the final mm. um, nod on it. And do you know, sometimes um, he comes back to me with, with interior of this or this and that. My father's very safe with how he, so what he normally says is we run a car rental company, right? And, um, you know, a red color could be opinionated, right? A yellow color could be opinionated. So a blue color could be opinionated, but one color that cannot be opinionated, it is what it is, it's right in front of you, yeah, that's the product, is black, mm. black and white. So to convince my father into kind of like expanding his palette out of black and white is my hardest task. But I've done it a few times and I've proved to him with like the one of one Viola Ashifa or should we call it the Viola Bast uh, Lamborghini Aventador SVJ. Um, but then I also understand his side of it as well, that, you know, there is certain cars that you can experiment with and go out the, and think outside the box. But things like Rolls-Royce Cullinans and, and, and Lamborghini Urises and G-Wagons and that sort of stuff, from what our client base require, we listen to them and we only give them, because I'm not on the phones and I'm not talking to the clients, I can only go off what people tell me on social media and social media isn't my audience. It yeah. isn't my client base. My client base are the ones that are putting money in my pocket. My social media people are the ones that want to kind of uh, put across what they want in life, but what they necessarily want isn't what's good for my business. So that's yeah. the battle that I have to have. But mm. moving forward now with, you know, the business has come along, uh, we've had a few supercars and that sort of stuff. Um, where I really got, got into the business was when I actually, um, I was doing really well in school. You know, I was doing really well in school, but uh, my father wanted me to be a commercial pilot because he thought that, um, you know, I've got this car side of things boxed off. I want my son to move from cars and fly planes now. Mm -hmm. but we, actually, we actually took him to Oxford Aviation and we spent a day, day there and coming out at four o'clock, I looked at his mom and I went, I don't think he's feeling it. Yeah. No. <laughs> because how can you? How can you? If your father is a doctor and all you've ever seen around you is 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 the medical field, it inspires you to become, uh, you know, be in the medical field. Mm. You can't get me from going from four wheels to two wings. You know, it's not going to happen. That's not my buzz. That's not what I've wanted. I've only just got started with the cars. So relaying that uh, to my parents was a bit difficult. But I think my dad clocked on straight away. Like my dad's my inspiration. It's 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 who I look up to. And I kind of had to tell my mom. I said, my mom. If my dad was a pilot, maybe I would have become a pilot. But my, my dad's not a pilot. But, and I don't want to be a mother, pilot. His mother follows suits from my mother. And she goes, well, I don't care if he doesn't like it. He's got to like it. <laughs> but, right. So, and whereas my father would say, no, I want to do what my son wants to do. And ultimately, um, you know, um, uh, even though financially my father um, couldn't have supported me, you know, 100 miles an hour, um, but just as the office, I just want Aleem to have it. I mean, it's not cheap. A little is it, bit to easy, fly. you know. Um, so uh, ultimately, um, you know, I, I I do all the hurdles that come across in business, all the problem hurdles. I, I kind of you know smoothen them out, yeah. so it's easier for him. So he sees the business as um, a one big game, a one big mm -hmm. game, and it's a smooth operation. But behind the scenes. Um, 
there's you know there's a lot of things that go on. And, well, and, me and, and, like me and Curtis are obviously partners in our business, yes. and we're fifty fifty partners. Yes, but yes. he has say, yes. final say. Yes. So you could say fifty point oh one. It depends. On, it depends on the business though. With the YouTube side yeah. of things, yeah, I have all the, the say, social media. Yeah. Um, so, so how do you structure your business as a father son right. business? Me as a father son business, I don't want nothing because it, it, it is all Aleem's. Um, ultimately, I only have one son um, uh, and one daughter. Um, me and my wife, we're very content. We're, we're happy going and, and ultimately we're happy with life. Um, whatever is there, it's not mine, it's Aleem's. He's the owner and he's the one. I'm a helping hand um, as a father figure, as, um, as a, 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 somebody who overlooks it and, and helps him come out of problems. and, and Out of every problem. Yeah. Overlooks everything. Yeah. Does everything yeah. for me. Okay. How, how does that make you feel See, that now, he's Mark, looking at it that way? Yeah, I agree. And I wanted to get onto this. Sorry. He's absolutely right. Because the ultimate the thing is, is Aleem's 28 years old. I go through Aleem's bag and his wallet on literally a daily basis to make sure that everything is right in there. He's got enough money in there. And he'll say, oh, no, 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 it's okay. I, I said, you know, you might Some need a bit of cash in there. You might need a bit. No problem. Because I don't want him to be at a certain place and he can't fulfill because, you know. Well, see, I, I, I've, I've been brought up in schools and, and, and I've been with people where they would tell me that, you know, they've had to work for it. And, you know, um, you know, there's a certain level of pocket money. There's a, I've never had that in my life. I've never had my mom's never. I've, I once requested that I be given pocket money and no more than that. And they tried it for about a week and then they looked at me and thought, so what do you think? I was like, no, get me off this pocket money business. Like, it's not working because and, and because they never wanted to kind of um, instill like a controlled mindset in me. You know, they always wanted my heart to be big and open for 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 not just for myself and my family, but for the people and my friends around me, whether you go to dinner, you pay for people. Um, and these are the moments that we work for. Right. And. And, and, and to keep my mindset a bit more broader, a bit more open. If my mindset was enclosed to me working a nine to five job um, or getting my pocket money, waiting for my pocket money to come through, I would miss out on, 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 on the bigger vision. I'd miss out on other things. I'd be focusing in things that I don't really need to be focusing about. As my father has said that, you know, I'm his only son, um, and my sister being his only, only daughter, you know, um, we, we need to be, we need to have a bigger mind. He didn't graph this hard and he didn't get to this level and, 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 and make all this money for me to have a small vision and a small mindset. You know, we've got to have a, a mindset and a vision that scares you and, and doing these sort of things. If, if, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, well done to those people that do those jobs and that need to do those jobs. But I was very fortunate and very blessed to have a father that kind of helped me fast track all that. I actually worked at Hollister for, for two weeks of, 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 uh, of my life where I insisted that I wanted a job. I wanted to feel like what it's like to have a job. My dad kicked off and said, no way are you working? No way. My mom's kicked off. No way are you working? I've kicked off. I've said, I'm working. I don't care. It's kind of um, like the opposite dynamic. To yeah. Usual, isn't it? I'm like trying to say, please let me work. And they're like, no, you're no working. I remember... I went into a, a staff photo shoot wearing a diamond um, Frank Mueller watch uh, on a vanilla strap because they said to me that, you know, everyone come through dressed up nicely for the, for the photo shoot. So I thought dressed up nicely meant that you put on your best fragrance, you know, you put on your nice watch and you go, I've landed there and I've seen the way that these people were behaving towards me. And I realized then and there, this is not the place for me. I need to listen to my parents and I need to go back and I need to listen to them. 
I am different to these people. Mm. This person might have a degree, but he doesn't know how to talk to someone. He talks to me. The way that they spoke to me that day was with complete disrespect. And I thought to myself, I didn't even realize, I didn't even have it in my heart what the value of this watch was on yep. my wrist. Mm. But it's the way I've been brought up. Do you think that's a UK issue rather than like, if you did that in America? No, it I think it's a parenting issue. I think there's right. a parenting issue. Like when I was at school and my father used to pick me up in a nice car, whatever, certain parents would instill it into their children. Oh yeah, don't look at him. His father's a drug dealer. Mm. Don't look at him. His father's a dodgy geezer because it makes them feel better about themselves yes. when they can put mud on other people. But the truth of the fact is that where are they today and where are we today? And sometimes it's better to stay quiet and let God do all the work, you know? And, and you know, like um, on, on, the, on, the be, on the point that Lillian just made, that it's, it's very um, important to, um, to be yourself truly um, because if you don't, and, and you come out of that and you just put an act on, then it's wrong. Because this job that we're in, we can't do an act on this. This is how it is. This is a very, very tough job. I mean, you know, and our business is massively And I make it risk, look easy. Risky. Because this is the main cog of, um, of making it like look easy. Like you guys do. You, you know, you're safe, you're secure. Um, our friend Tom Hartley, car dealers throughout the country is safe. You send the money, they deliver the car. Yeah, it's cleaner. We're giving out assets for hundreds of thousands of pounds to people for him to drive. We have to watch over our cars. We have to protect have it. To protect Sleepless it. nights, um, cars getting alerts on cars, um, speeding violations, you know, acceleration you end up violations. Falling out with a lot of people, but we try not to because we say to them, "Look, we'll be your best friend, but." Be with us, you know. Look after the children. Yes, absolutely. And 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 if they don't, it's the first warning, one warning you get, which is a, a stern, friendly warning. The second one is a bit more of a stern warning. The third one is basically we don't even talk to you. We'll just arrive at the destination with the spare key. I'll take the car back to base, and you'll come out to thinking where the car's gone, and then I'll phone you up and I'll tell you you need to come to the showroom so I can show you the violations that you have done. Do you think this is acceptable? Do you own the car? You don't own the car. You've rented it. You are merrily looking after my asset mm. for me for a period of time we want you to enjoy it but there's a time and a place to enjoy it we don't want to endanger lives we don't want a reputation in our company that we give out to inconsiderate uh, uh, clients you know it's our responsibility to to today we might be giving a weapon to people you know if they you know, don't handle it right a gentleman took a car away a couple of three weeks ago and um he wasn't familiar of driving a lamborghini um ultimately he's doing um 75 80 miles an hour on a 30 mile road within Five minutes really yeah so um anyway um, i found him up i said look just pull over um and they talk so to do you so. have like speed trackers yeah. on all the cars yeah, and yeah. everything okay. so he pulls over location um, yeah start, stop, I, I said pull over he's pulled over i've switched the car off i said just wait there i'm coming just to pick the car up and um you know when i went there it's I not was, in an aggressive way no. so it's just literally just saying listen me we are not made for each other we he don't have we're not he, on the right he left his car page. here um meaning that you know i'll come back after the weekend i said mate after the weekend, I can't tolerate you for another for 15 minutes. Here's your money back. Here's your car. This is my car. Have a lovely weekend. God, you might car. have ended up saving his life, yeah, though, absolutely. if he was driving that yeah. fast. He's cracked on. He's, like, begging and pleading. Said, There's no point, is there? Because, look... We don't get on. And, and, so we, and, and we, we run a very relaxed uh, situation here. You know, there's certain car rental companies out there that will send somebody to ghost the hire... So they'll give someone two, three hundred pounds for the weekend in another normal car and they will ghost and watch 
the the car on hire. Mm. But that's invasion of privacy. You've got to give, Mm. you know, we've got to have an understanding with our client, you know? It's it's not about babysitting them and watching them over. Like, we're not children. This is why we have a certain age uh, limit. And we'll also reference people as well. So, like, we're very, like, being very well known online, on social media. My father being in the business for so long, knowing so many people. doesn't matter which city you come from. There is someone that my dad will know in that city that can cross-reference you and just check that, you know, you are who you say you are and you're good for it. I've never, ever hired a prestige car, ever. And it's purely for fear that the company will take my deposit. They will tell me I've damaged the rim or whatever (laughs) when I haven't. And... um, what makes you different to that, that I could trust you in that circumstance? Okay, well, can I, can I start with yeah. answering this one? Um, I feel like as if first and foremost, you know, uh, being uh, people of faith, right? We've always got to remember that Allah is watching. You know, God is watching regardless of whether you want to, you want to like, you know, do someone wrong or whatever. You'll do them wrong in this world or you'll, you'll you know, you could, you could win now, but in the long run, you're going to lose. And I think um, I think what you what, what you have to remember is you know and and, I, and again with with how my father does everything as well it's it's we're not here for today and tomorrow we're here for the years to come. There isn't another car hire company that I could probably say to you that still exists today and performs at this level that has such a high rating, and that is because we are very transparent in the way that we do business. We say it exactly how it is. There is cameras all over this showroom when we're doing check sheets and all that sort of stuff. And we want your custom again. Mm. I don't want to take your deposit off you. If anything, I want to try helping you in minimizing and making the experience as best as possible so that tomorrow you go and tell other people that you had such a fantastic experience. Mm. And, you know, your cousins and your brothers and your friends and your uncles and everything will also go through the same experience. But exactly what Mark said, this is the stigma that is stuck with car rental companies, mm. especially high-end car rental yes. companies, that you give your £10,000 deposit, they will suck it when mm. you go there. We don't do that here at Platinum. And, 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 and I can tell you that with fact that we here at Platinum do not do that. In fact, to the point that if you damage a car, uh, a wheel, a wing mirror, whatever the wheel damage costs you, whatever the wing mirror price costs you, whatever the damage is, it's black and white. It's the there. It's on the dealer. It's all from the dealership. We paint protect our cars, PPFR cars, spend five, six, seven thousand pounds on the car before it's even been delivered, just so our clients don't have the stress of if they lean on the car, they might scratch it, which will cost them thousands of pounds to repair. So we kind of, you know, uh, protect these cars as well for their long, for their use, so they don't have any problems. We highlight, show them around the cars correctly, make sure that they know how the front lift suspension works, how this works, how that works, make sure that they don't, you know, drive it in coarser mode unless it, we talk them through Simply, the whole thing. if you hired a vehicle and, um, you know, you clipped the mirror and you cracked it, well, it doesn't matter which Lamborghini dealer or Ferrari dealer you get the price from. They're all the same price, yeah. All over the all over the country, so it's seven hundred and seventy pound to paint it. It's three hundred pound to fit it. It's probably another hundred fifty pound, two hundred pound, whatever it comes to about thirteen, fourteen hundred pound. The customer will say, "Well, look, would you take a grand for it?" I don't understand. Mm. You've broke it. 
and you want me to pay. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make it sense doesn't to make me. Sense. I mean, mm. What do you think? Do you think it makes sense? It doesn't. No, no. Sense. I think it's perfectly acceptable to have to pay your, the damage you've done. Correct. That's it. What I don't think is acceptable extra, is extra robbed. on yes. top. Just I tell you what, some companies will do because that's where they make their profit. And it's if you not can't right. justify it, if you can't justify it to the customer, mm. then don't put it to him. Yeah. So, Mark, what some that. people what some people would do is uh, some companies um, because we've heard this from clients when they've come back in. Um, Lamborghinis or l these low cars that are low from the front, they might have scraped the front bumper in a previous hire, but when they show the customer around the car, the customer's so excited to see the car, mm. they would show them all around the whole car, show them one or two of the damages or, or, on the wing mirror, on the, on the arch or on the wheel, lose their focus there. And then when they'll come and pick up the car, they'll run their hand underneath you and they'll be like, oh mate, you scraped the front bumper, that's five grand. Listen. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's wrong, back, isn't it? It's wrong. You reckon that's because they forgot to see it on the last hire? You, you see, you see the later. customer might believe that he actually did it as well. Mm. But God's watching. So mm. what will happen there is you'll, you'll rob them for five quid there. Tomorrow, karma will hit you so bad, right? Yeah, you'll probably have a car smashed up in pieces. And, you know, you're scratching your head thinking, why has this happened to me? Mm. You know, it, 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 it's, I mean, it's, it's what goes around comes around. The other reason I don't hire prestige cars is because I feel that you're trying to, flex aren't you but it's not yours okay mark so now there's a change in perception there's a change of vision in that and the reason for that being is first and foremost it's not cheap to hire a car if you can pretty much hire a car more than nine times out of ten you can, if you really, you can, really, if you you can really buy one yeah. with the cost of owning a car storing a car insuring a car maintaining a car you probably don't get as much as a, a good experience as you probably would in hiring it. And let me break it down to you. If let's say it costs you, let's say you buy a, a Rolls Royce for uh, £200,000. To insure it costs you £6,000 a year. Uh, tire, you know, to maintain it and all that sort of stuff costs you, you know, a couple grand a year. To store it costs you a couple grand a year. And then when you come to sell it, you're probably going to lose 15, 20 grand. Yeah. Before you know it, you're already 25, 30 grand down now on the car. If not more. If not more. If you give, if you were to spend 25 to 30,000 pounds with platinum, and bearing in mind, you're a busy fella, right? You haven't got time to use your car. You probably use it once or twice a week. Yeah. If you were to exactly. spend 20, 25, 30,000 pounds a year with platinum, you get an inventory of 30 plus cars in the latest models, the best specifications, you haven't got to worry about insurance, you haven't got to worry about maintenance, you haven't got to worry about any depreciation, mileage, nothing. Just use the car. The inventory is there. Maybe one weekend you want a Rolls-Royce Cullinan. Maybe another weekend you want to try out a G-Wagon. One weekend you want to go off-roading in a Defender. One weekend you want to take the missus out in a convertible Lamborghini. How else are you going to do that if, 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 if you own, if you've invested all your money into one car? I've got a lot of my friends that always say, oh, Aleem, they've got Lamborghinis and stuff, right? Aventadors. Aleem, pull out your car, pull out. I'll be thinking to myself, what, is that not giving you a buzz anymore? Mm. Well, yeah, I'm going to be honest, mm. it's not giving me a buzz anymore. And especially why it's not giving me a buzz is because we see too many of them in, in this day and age. Back in the days, very rare to see a Ferrari. Yeah. Now you'll see a Lamborghini on every corner. People want to, people um, uh, feel like, you know, they, they need to be current with the, with the times and, you know, they want to change the specifications and they want to be seen in a different car. But then, like you said, people will say that, you know, 
uh, it doesn't feel right. To some people, it doesn't mm. feel like it's like, would I rent a watch? You wouldn't want to rent a watch, would you? No. There is companies out there that do rent out watches, but you know, it doesn't feel right. It's a very personal thing. But I feel a car is an experience. It's like a, it's something. It gives you back a bit more emotion. So it is a rentable thing. I'm not just defending it because it's my company, but mm. I do understand the importance of physically owning a car, having it, having your name on the paperwork. It gives you that sense of achievement, that sense of. Uh, are, are, of, but if you actually know the price of how expensive it is to rent these cars, I don't think anyone can really say to you, oh, you've just rented it for the day. You, you know, you don't own it because we've got billionaire clients as well. We've got millionaire clients and we've got clients that are just, you know, hiring cars because it's their, it's their dream occasion, you know, and some of our billionaire clients, you know, they'll take three or four or five Cullinans at a time. And they've all got pet number plates on them. Wherever they go, people know that, yeah, they've hired those mm. cars, but you've hired three or four of them, it's costing you like six, seven, eight thousand pounds a day. Yeah, they're, 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 they don't they're, care. They're fine with it, they're fine mm. with it. It's it's just the perception uh, because you and me will feel that way about it. I mean, I've never hired a car. Mm, it's, a, it's probably an age thing. I mean, I've got a couple of friends that have got big car collections and they have to employ a, a mechanic full time, a cleaner full time, storing them and all the rest of it. And it's just endless. But I mean, it costs them a fortune, yeah. doesn't it? Because they've, these cars don't look after themselves, do they? No. You made a good case of uh, hiring a car for yeah, the yeah, weekend. Yeah. But, you're, you're but the that's same, your job. You're yeah. the same with renting houses, aren't you? You're like, yeah, oh, you should right. always buy. Um, it's, it gives that's going to be our thing, The ability it? to you know, jump around, <laughs> try see, different with, things. With, with, with houses, bricks and water, you're safe. So Listen how, to how, this man. <laughs> how, 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 when I'm younger, I want to be able to you, use and invest yes, the money. Yeah, no, I agree. Look, house or whatever apartment... Bricks and water. But you, you don't say, own many houses, Pops. No, no. You make a little bit of money out of it, right? Mm, you just safe. about make just a little bit of money, right? And there's no risk, mm. right? The buzz is major risk, mm. big money. Mm. The bigger the risk, it's like going in the casino, playing on the black, playing on the red. Some people don't do that. Some people go in, they play a little bit, a few pounds on the... No. When pet go in, big it's risk. red or black, big, big. numbers. Buy yeah, heavy duty like cars as well, but that's more like yeah. little number. Yeah. But what goes around. up fast, what yeah. goes up fast always comes down very, yeah. very yeah. fast as well. So that's you have true. to find that right balance of when the luck is striking mm. and you're doing well and you know you're making a lot of money to put it into safer investments, i.e., bricks and mortar, yeah. um, or investing into certain mm. stocks and whatever. But you've got to, I feel you've got to have that balance. But uh, with my father, what he always says is like, he's loving it. He's buzzing off it so much. He's you, never I seen it coming in I like that. I, so I don't think you're going to have that balance and I'm, and I'm a million miles away. <laughs> I do, I do. I think, um, I think you go in head first all the time and, and we always come out. Positive. Has that changed as you've got older? Nah. No? I'm ready it's for it. It's getting I'm worse. Always, yeah. I'm always ready for a deal. Mm. I'm always on the hustle. It's lovely. See, I, I think you've got less risky as you've got older. Yeah. Um, I, I'm riskier in some things. You know, it depends what it is. I, I'm at the, the age where I like the security of the house is being paid yes. for, the the units being yes. paid for. That's my security. I can I can gamble away anywhere else. Yeah, That's yeah. not a problem. But I don't want to gamble those now. The days of me wanting yes. to lose my shirt or risk my shirt, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think you'd probably be similar. You wouldn't risk the whole everything. Mm because you want to leave the legacy. Yes, indeed. But I think and that's what, where I'm at. And it's very important. I think I think one reason why my dad always also feels like, you know, he wants to go head in head first or whatever is our social media presence as well. You know, if he didn't have, um, I'm not trying to blow smoke up my own ass right now, but you know, um, 
my pack up and retire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my father, my father buzzes off this business and you know, he buzzes off the clients that we have come in every single day. And he buzzes off the fact that it keeps him youthful. And like with your with your strike at big podcast, I've had so many people message me about Mark and Curtis and and tell me how fantastic they are. This is the this is the buzz, this is the flame that gets you going again. It sets that spark again. And you think to yourself, you know, I've 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 got to do it not just for myself now, but I've got to do it for the business and I've got to do it for these great clients and these great people that I've met along the way. Um, you know, our social media presence for platinum executive travel is like no other you know I, I i truly believe that we set the standard for when it comes to uh how to create a brand online there's no other car hire company maybe even a car sales company uh that has been doing what we have been doing um from the youtube to the to the instagram to the, the whole thing and 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 that is because as my dad said you know there's a lot of people that will say that you know he's xyz he's a drug dealer he's a money launderer he's a fraud he's that the other but the proof is in the pudding and it's in front of you. When you see his office light is on at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, like the people of Birmingham will tell you driving up and down Coventry Road, one person's office light that is never turned off is, is Mr. Rick Bells. And, and because he, he really does work every hour God's given him because he buzzes off it. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the extent to the size of what the business has gone to, the audience that we have for the business as well, it's our, it's our fuel for motivation, you know, and, and, and what we want to drive uh, forward to expanding the business. And, and, and there's a lot of people that are learning off us as well. Um, but we enjoy it. We enjoy being pioneers of the industry. If we're not steering the industry, if we're not uh, breaking the boundaries, then who is? And, you know, I can give you one example of breaking a boundary, you know, hiring out a 3.5 million pound car uh, in a Bugatti Chiron. I mean, who on earth does that? I can buy five Rolls-Royce Cullinans, five Lamborghini Uruses, five Mercedes G-Wagons, and probably still have a, a bit of loose change to go on a fat holiday to Dubai. But you can't but, get 25 grand a day yeah, for the Cullinans. Come on. So that's for exactly. sure. And also you can't get the social media feedback from a Cullinan yeah. that you can get from that. Bugatti. Exactly. But saying that, I mean, a, a Cullinan for a daily uh, higher price is about um, eight, about 1,800 to 2,000 pounds a day. So five Cullinans will be bringing me in 10 grand a day. The numbers would be a lot higher on that side. But as my dad would always say, it's not always. And as Mark, you've just suggested, you've just um, mentioned just now as well. It's not always about the money. It's about what you're doing for the business to cement its foundation. Yeah. Uh, for, for for the future, i.e. this 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 uh, this showroom. This showroom cost us 1.2 million pounds to build in 2013, 2014, at a time where we were dying to buy a Bugatti. So we were literally this close to closing a deal on a Bugatti Veyron for 1.2 million pounds. And my dad looked at me and he said, well, son, at this moment of time, all the cars are parked at the house. We're having to convince our customers and tell them that we've got you know, five, six Rolls Royces, but we've got an office here that's got a water leak coming through it. Mm. So you said to me that you want a nicer office. What do you want? Do you want a car or do you want the showroom? So we came to a decision that we wanted to build the showroom. So the Bugatti, the, Ch the Chiron came later on, but why did we build the showroom? It's because we wanted to give our clients a very unique experience, an experience that no one else can give you. We don't operate out of a rented unit where we're gonna rob you for some money and then we're gonna disappear all of a sudden. I own this land, I own this showroom, I'm here, 24 seven, seven days a week. I'm not running away with your money. I'm giving you an experience like no one else is. You're gonna feel like you're buying a car from Tom Hartley and co, but really you're here to rent a car for the weekend. You bring your family on. I've got all the time in the world for you. So has my dad. 
within reason. And, you know, I'll show you around, you know, we'll have a great time. They get to meet me. We get to talk about cars because I'm still very passionate about cars. I love to talk about the, 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 the engine, the technology in it, the, you know, the, the speed and all that sort of stuff. My dad's fallen out of love with all that sort of stuff, you know, but you know, I have to have that instilled in me because I truly believe the money comes after you have to fall in love with your craft. Once you can create that community and you create a, a community where people respect and, uh, you as the car guy, everything else comes after that, you know? And, and I really have worked hard. Uh, um, uh, but when I say I've worked hard, it didn't feel like hard work at the time. Because you enjoyed it. Because I enjoyed it so Indeed. much. Going to the car meets, my dad's been fully, I wouldn't have been able to do this if my dad didn't support me. Every single thing that I have said I've wanted to do, my dad has made it happen for me, whether it has been the correct decision or not the correct decision. And if I didn't have that support system there, I wouldn't have been this caterpillar that turns into a butterfly, you know? And, um, and and that was what's important. And that's what I see with Mark and Curtis as well. The reason why people warm towards your podcast so much and the reason why Strike It Big is going to be one of the biggest podcasts in the world is because people love the father and son relationship. They can sense uh, the balance there. They it's can warm, sense isn't it? It's the, yeah, warm. They can sense the love and respect that Mark has towards Curtis, which I can see. And this is why, you know, um, this is why things work. And I, I always say to people, when people say, you know, oh, his dad's given it him all. And, you know, you've never had to see a struggle in the day of life. We all have our struggles, but they're at different levels. Yeah. The struggles that someone has with not a pound in their pocket and the struggles that someone has with a hundred pounds in their pocket are totally different, but nevertheless, they are still a struggle. I have struggles of my own. And if I told you about these struggles, you'll be like, oh, what a hard life one has. Probably you hear the same as well, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Curtis? People discredit you when you've um, had a certain upbringing yeah. and gone to a certain yeah. school, um, but they don't realize all the hard work yeah. you put in behind yeah. the scenes and obviously the social media yeah. strategy yeah. that you've uh, yeah. done you with know, your dad. You know, you, you can see how passionate and, and, and how much I love my father mm. and, and how a lot of other people, uh, you know, are, are, are think so highly of my father. But social media world is a different type of world altogether. So the biggest battles I've had to fight is knowing who my dad is, knowing how much endless blood, sweat and tears he's put into his craft and having people watering it down and then coming, being upset about it. Yeah. My dad's booting me. He's, he's saying to me, why are you getting upset about it? He says, you should be buzzing off it. Yeah. If you go to the gym and someone accuses you of using steroids, you should buzz off that. Because, yeah. you because, you're, because you haven't, but yeah. they think you have. Yeah, because yeah. in their brain, the only way you could have achieved it yeah. is if you're doing yeah. something. Exactly. You're not I was making doing. car reviews back in the days, right, with a couple of my friends. Um, so it was a cameraman, two, two, two cameraman team. And we were reviewing cars and I was putting it out there, these car reviews, which people were really enjoying. And I was coming back and I was like, oh, dad, I don't think I've done a good job. And he goes, why? And I go, everyone's commenting underneath. What, do you think you're Jeremy Clarkson? Or, you know, your videos look like they've been copied by Top Gear. He mm. goes, well done. Yeah. He goes, that is the best compliment you can have. They are a big production team. The best they, car show in the, the world. The best car show in the world. Mm. And you are being compared to the best car show in the world. So son, you're onto a winner. And that was the moment where I realized, hold on a second, this is all a load of bullshit. Don't ever listen to these people online. Do what you want to do and do it with courage and do it with the right mindset. Mm. And, and, and if you believe in yourself, 
go 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 through with it whether that's me playing rugby whether that's me doing car videos whether that's me making the la weeklies whatever that is i'm actually very proud because he remembers that i did say that to him actually many many years ago <laughs> yeah i think and you thought it gone yeah like i thought it's gone straight out <laughs> but look i stand here today and i'll be honest with you if i told you that people's opinions mattered to me even one percent i'll be lying to you mm. i couldn't give two shits of what anybody has to say online i've actually got to that stage well, we, what we, really we, hurts we me. try yeah. to sort of ignore all comments, but we do take on the constructive comments, don't to, we? To be fair, Kai's usually the one that gets the most yeah. hate comments, uh, but that's <laughs> yeah. because he's quite opinionated yeah. uh, around yeah. certain things. But, but yeah, it's good no, to be opinionated because yeah, it shows 100%. that you stand for something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like our friend Andrew Tate, uh, yeah. the most opinionated fellow there is on the yeah. planet. The, the worst thing you can be is vanilla, isn't it? Like yeah. not having any stance yeah. on anything. They're the people you've got to be worried about. Mm. Two people, people that save their money too much, mm. And people that try being um, uh, try and being everybody's cup of tea. Once you're everyone's cup of tea, you're a mug. So, do you think the younger generations like us um, complement the older generation of entrepreneurs uh, working together in well, father son businesses? The proof is in the pudding, is it not? Yeah. I mean, we can make it into a lengthy answer, but the the fact of the matter is that there is no. I mean, as tough as it can be sometimes working with family members because disagreeing is a bit more personal than hurts. disagree. Yeah, it hurts exactly. It? The only thing that hurts me now is when I actually care or love for someone and they do me wrong or they don't do do. do that's what hurts me now, mm. and it's the same with business as well. But the proof is in the pudding. To have first of all, you've you've got to be very lucky, and we're very lucky, Curtis, in a way that we have have um you know our fathers that are mashallah very understanding um that, that not everybody gets that gift saying that though do you have arguments between each oh. other because i know we constantly have <laughs> yeah. arguments our arguments last about 15 20 minutes they're as loud as if anything that. yeah <laughs> they're, 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 they're as loud as anything i'll kick off i'll even phone my mom when i really lose when i lose everything and there's no coming back I will yeah. phone my mom. I'll be like, Mom, I'm not having this. Lock I'm not both, ever locking both up in one room. I've 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 had strikes I've where I've not come yeah. in to work for like a week, two weeks. Mm. I refuse to come into work because he doesn't let me do anything. Mm. I'm trying to say, let me get more involved in the business. He goes, Listen, son, I've not worked this hard for you to be running around like a headless chicken. He goes, Your job is to overlook. He goes, work smart, not hard. He goes, God's given you a brain, right? Yeah. He says, This is what we've got to work with now. Is, is with our brain. We haven't got to move muscle. Graft isn't scrubbing, mm. getting in that hard labor. Graft is up here, you know? And, and this is where the real graft starts from. But sometimes, I, I, look, I do, I do sometimes feel to myself, like how, I want to be like my dad. I want to fill in those shoes. To fill in those shoes, I've got to be like him. But he doesn't let me be like him, you know? But, you know, to answer the question, you know, when, when what is it? You've got to be like him, but in a different way. That's yeah. what... You know, I'm a little softer around the edges, I guess. Mm. <laughs> well, I suppose you've been through all the graph, both of you, and, and you don't want us to go through the same. You want us yes. to like shortcut Why that process you? and start thinking rather mm. than working manually. And I see the problems when Curtis comes to me with something. He'll, he'll say, why aren't you excited? I say, well, the problem is you, you've got to think no, about is it. Is it, oh, we got Andrew Tate on the podcast. And you're like, oh, yeah, but we've got to get up to London. We've well, got to do exactly. this. Like, but it's Andrew Tate. Yeah, it's we, cool. You I'm know? not getting excited because we've got to <laughs> hire the place. We've got to make sure it can happen. We've got to do this. Yeah, we've Get this. But yeah. once we've done all like, that, we'll make it happen. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah, once we've done all those things, then I'm excited. Similar thing. We had an argument um, about a week ago and it lasted about um, six minutes or thereabouts. Um, um, it lasted three minutes with him and then it went away, it went quiet, and then three minutes after, and then I had a phone call from his mom. <laughs> I get that. Uh, yeah. And um, and the job and, was done. And the job was done. 
It was over a, over a car. He refused, He said that the Lamborghini Revolto, which is the new Aventador replacement, is a thousand plus brake horsepower, a thousand one brake horsepower. He goes, it's too fast for the clients. He goes, I don't want one of them. I looked at him and I said, stop dad. I said, this whole company has been built up on the Aventador era. Mm. I said, whether we're going to hire it or not, I need one of them. He okay. goes, half a million pounds, a lot of money, you know, to buy a car. I was like, dad, you've got a three million pound Bugatti. Mm. You know, you can't be telling me that this, this car, I said, come on, let's not, let's not play the humble card now and say it's a lot of money. So anyway, I said, we, we need this we've, car. We've got on the phone and we've done the deal and got it wrapped up and just forget about it. And that's we got it. what it's you got, wanted got, in yeah, the end. It needs yeah. to be done, you, know? said, you can't is, be the- Is it sorted? I said, it's sorted. And you see, you know what? What's funny is what my mom always tells me. She goes, you know, you've got to ask yourself, how blessed are you that, you know, you talk about cars like they're toys in Toys mm. R Us. You, you, you argue with your father. And if somebody else was to be hearing this conversation, they would be like, they are not in touch with reality one bit. <laughs> and exactly. It's the same with you guys as well. Absolutely. But, but, but you haven't got to be apologetic about this at any time mm. because you, Mark, and my father, Salim, have worked hours that before mm. these cameras existed, before social media existed, you put in that hard work and, and, and you got us here to this position. So we have to be unapologetic about these conversations because you deserve to have these conversations with mm. your children because you've worked hard to get to that position. And, 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 and if anybody else wants to get to that position where they want these kind of um, uh, discussions about, you know, what size yacht that they should be chartering for this summer or whatever, then, you know, they need to also be assisting and helpful towards their children. I've seen some parents that are not helpful towards their children at all. They suffocate them in their growth. And I think to myself, well, what did you work for then? You know, do, do you think it's easier now than it was then to, to make money? Uh, no, I, I, I think it's um, I think it's an all-rounder. I've never seen a recession, right? Um, I never, on a downer, that we're not making money or we're not doing this. We're always making money. And we may be making little money, or big money, yeah. But we're always busy. We're always making money, and we're very grateful all the way through. So, yeah. Um, what's one thing my dad has always said to me as well? Like, don't, don't, don't. If I say to me, Dad, we're we're gonna we're heading for the biggest recession ever. You know, there's gonna be an economic break. He'd be like, Son, the biggest mistake is that you're talking about it. He goes, Shut oh, up and just get on with it. So, someone told me years ago about the hot dog salesman. He was selling loads of hot dogs at the side of the road. So, he put a sign out and a neon sign, and he sold even more hot dogs. And it was going really, really, really well. And someone told him there was going to be a recession. So, he thought, Oh, better buy a bit less stock. And you know what? He sold a little bit less. He thought, Oh, I don't know if I can be bothered to put the sign out this morning because of the recession. So, he sold a little bit less. Didn't bother putting the sign on, went out of business. Yeah. It's the you person know, who shows up every it. day beats yeah. the person that doesn't show up every single yeah. day. You know? yeah. Yeah. And it's also listening to the news. You, you can't really impact and affect what's the recession. Yeah. You know, you can only impact yeah. your own business and yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. So that's probably why, isn't it? Just keep focused on Do your you business. Do you watching the news nowadays? Uh, yeah, I, I do. And, and you know, when about all this recession and this and that, it's just in one ear, out the other, it's crack on. Just wind you up though, wouldn't it? If you really listen to it, yeah. I think. Um, I just want to say an, a, another thing as well. I know this is this is a bit off topic as well, but uh, a huge shout out to my mother as well. Even though my mother, you know, uh, came from Pakistan and 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 she um and and you know she had never worked a day in her life, whatever. She was very very supportive, and she was the rock. So you know, I mentioned that my father does a lot for me and whatever. My mother does just as much as my father does, um, and that's the real team. You know, would, I'm just. A, we would, uh, we would be uh, dropping cars off and picking cars up, um, um, you know, 10 years from now. Picking cars up, dropping cars off. And um, this is no wind up. 
Um, we'd drop some cars off to London, drop one off to Southampton, um, and then travel all the way back. And and we'd pick another car up from Luton on the way back, um, because we'd have an agreement with with the people who've hired them. You know where to leave the key, where to knock the door and get the key. Anyway, we'd come back. We'd come up to a petrol station just before we get home, and um, I'm filling up the petrol in my car and my wife's car. She's in the car. I've gone inside, paid, took me five minutes, come back out. I've looked in the car. She's only fell asleep in the car because it's like five o'clock in the morning. She's been driving with Sheffield and night. back and gone to Luton and back. She's been to Sheffield and been to London. Bradford. Bradford, mm. all that. She's fell asleep in the car. I'm knocking. Oh, sorry, I woke up. So we've come back. We've come back home. I've jumped in the shower, freshed up, 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, back on the road. She's obviously fell asleep now and so on. But they're kicking off now. She's saying, oh, look, your assistant, you know, she goes, you need to chill off a bit. She goes, look, you've done it now. You need to get people in the right positions, you know, you know, because she's saying we're falling asleep at the wheel. This is dangerous. She goes, mm. we'll die. Like we'll drive, we'll be delivering cars or we'll be dead because we're, we're too old for this now. We've worn ourselves out. She goes, you've done so much graft in your life. You need to, for my dad to take a step back is, was the hardest challenge for him. For him to step away and give, even till this day, even though we've got some fantastic people in, in our positions, the managers, the sales and everything, he still loves being in the mix. Even when I say to him, I say, dad, do you mind just, you know, maybe coming off your chair and, and sitting over here for today and I'll sit over there and I'll try doing what you do, what you do and, and we'll go from there. Because no, no, you sit opposite me here, you just watch me. Do you feel you have worked a little bit too hard? No, no. you'll never feel like that. I was it's His crazy. The amount of times you're looking at me in this podcast and going, yeah, that sounds like me, that sounds like me, it's crazy. <laughs> His happiest time when we had come back from a holiday, be it from Dubai, be it from Saudi, Pakistan, wherever, is when he lands back at the airport, he's got the biggest smile on his face. Yo, bloke, come on my way to the showroom. I'm on my way, get the paperwork ready. And my mum's like, you've just literally landed. We haven't even got our suitcases. You've got the biggest smile on your face because you can't wait to go into the office. Do you suffer from guilt when you're on holiday that you could be working? Yeah. So do do I. you? I, I still do. I'm I, not as bad as I was, no, no. but I still suffer. No, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't not, I'll, tell you where, I'll tell you where it is. I worry about my staff. And I worry about the staff thinking, well, they'll be all right mm. without me. But honest to God, they're not bothered. Mm. They're, th they're saying, listen, we love it. We're all right. Because, but when they say that, I, ca I can't. There's something really, there, I, isn't there? I can't really feel it. I mean, look, I've got some great guys. And, and the but we're human at the end of the day, right? There's always small little mistakes. There's always small little things that we can miss out on. Uh, but there's a way that, you know, a way that you develop your team, you know, like there's certain ways that we want the hose pipe. There's certain way that we want everything put away. There's a certain way that I want the showroom clean. There's a certain way that my dad's telephone wire has to be. There's a certain way the pen has to be. There's a certain way that the, the seat has to be left when he leaves the, the OCD room. is really, really bad. But look, um, <laughs> I like it, you know, mm. everything has to be right. And, you know, from everything, pens and all that sort of stuff. But if it's right, you're happy. Yeah, I'm happy, honestly, I'm happy. Mm. But if it's not right... He's on holiday, uh, he's yeah. watching on the cameras. He's watching, it's like watching Big Brother, watching, uh, you know, the housemates. Yeah. Aleem, and Aleem, the... Aleem and me have, we have little baby arguments where... Um, um, I said, where's your wallet? It's, it's, it's probably in the car, it's probably here. No, I need to know where your wallet is. <laughs> and like... And then like, you know, silence for... I'm like, why are you stressing about my wallet for? No. That's my he stress. That should be my stress. He said, he said, he said listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I've left it at my pal's house. 
You best go and get it. I says you better go and get it. Pissed off. But then one, one, I do one better, don't I? Uh, on the way to work, I phone the lads and I say, "Listen, can you go to so and so's house? Liam's left his wallet there." So they've gone there. They've picked the wallet up. He's come back. He's walked into the showroom, and I said, um, "Did you pick your wallet up?" No, no, I want to go and pick it up now. So no, it's okay. It's, here. it's done. My glasses. When I go home in the night, I put my glasses on one table. I walk around the house. I will leave something else in another place. I leave the car keys in another place. I wake up in the morning every single morning on my front table on the on the desk uh, in the in, in the lobby. There'll be my glasses, there'll be my wallet, there'll be my car keys, there'll be everything I need for the day that I thought that I'd lost and I had to run around the house and find it. I'm like, oh, thanks for that, Dad. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're going to have OCD by the end yeah. of it. But, so. but you see... But you see <laughs> You're going to get it off on him. But you see, just the way that my father looks after and, and cares for me like that, it's not just for me. He does the same for my sister, for my mom, for his brothers, for his sisters, for my extended family and everyone. I think it's just by habit. My grandmother really instilled that into my, my dad as but well. But you know, you know one the day, um, uh, the, the good upside is that one day he'll do that with his children. Yes, he will. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he will. And, um, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm looking forward to it because, um, because what it is, is because Aleem is a little bit of a stress head, right? It does stress me out. Um, but, um, it wouldn't be fun any other way, would it, Curtis? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get stressed too, and I want my own way, don't I? <laughs> ultimately, um, I'm going to spoil his children rotten, so they're going to get him back. Because when I'm not here, they they will get him back. Yeah, but and 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 you know, one, one thing is for sure: spoiling your children. The only downside is that when you get given so much love and support and assistance from, i.e., your father, he becomes your best friend. And now, when you're looking for another friend, that's your that's your benchmark. If they can't do or they can't provide uh, you with the love and support system that you're so used to with your father, that's why I have no friends. I hardly have any friends. This is my best friend, my father, my dad, just as you guys probably got the, a similar situation. I've got my brothers, uh, uh, like my cousins and my family. I can only relate to family now, you know, people that I know that I can unconditionally care for. Even if they were to upset me, it's not a problem because at the end of the day, they're still my family. Um, but it's just, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's special. When do you it's think special. you will have um, a family of your own kids? And well, I've got to find a victim first, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. yeah, or your mum has. Yeah. So when are you <laughs> aiming for? What kind of age? Um, I think, uh, what, what, what age are we aiming for, Pop? 36, 37? Oh, really? Quite, quite late then. <laughs> if it was up to me, uh, it'd be, done, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be tomorrow. Been reversed back three years ago. Yeah. Really? Um, but ultimately, I think... Um, uh, the proof is in the pudding. I, ha I, I had a lot of things to do, man. I had the I world think, to travel. Yeah. I had things to do. And honestly, you know. I think the proof is in the pudding and um, talk is cheap. Um, and if he re does really love me, uh, then. <laughs> That's, this is <laughs> called emotional <laughs> blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> right, taking it back to the cars, there is one question I wanted to ask. You've got Ferraris here, obviously in the collection, but I can't hire one from you. So mm. why is that? Uh, so. We don't have the best relationship with Ferrari and Ferrari um, don't want a relationship with us as well. Uh, not just us in particular, but every car rental company or any car hire company, really? Ferrari do not sell to. They don't sell to a car dealership or a rental company. The reason for that is it's to protect their brand image mm. and they avoid the warranty. So I can buy off, let's say, you know, Romans International, Tom Hartley or, 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 a, or, a, or a third party car dealership. Mm. Um, but the warranty would be void on it. So that's the main reason why we don't have any on the higher So they fleet. void the warranty because you're hiring the car out? Yes. 
even though you're tracking the speed, making sure yeah. that yeah. I suppose it's, it's the person driving it as well. Like if they can't afford to buy it, no, no, they, they, they don't like. They don't. No, like no, no, no. no Curtis, it, it Curtis, you're right. Representation of the brand. Yes, what they what they want is they want it to always still be the factor is that you work hard mm. to achieve to buy a Ferrari. You cannot just have a Ferrari at a fraction of the price to whiz around. There is car hire companies out there that have Ferraris, but because mm. we are so we are the biggest car rental company in UK and Europe. Uh, that and we're and we're so loud. We have such a big digital footprint that you know they know straight. Like the people that work in the organization of Ferrari are fans of ours. Mm. You know, so 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 they will know. You know, when it goes into the workshop, which cars have come from Platinum and which. Are, but these other car rental companies that you see that have got Ferraris on their fleet, how they get away with it is they put on a different number plate before it goes back into the. the, the they haven't bought it on their company name. They probably bought it on a private name and they're just secretly running it. But again, it's the same thing again, isn't it? It's we're doing wrong. You can't, when you're running an operation at such a big level, you can't, you can't play these little fraud games. Do you no. know what I'm saying? When we're not ready for it, if the brand doesn't want us, we don't want them. Do you know? And, and it's, that's it. Look, I've got a Ferrari there. I've got a Ferrari there. You know, there's only one more Ferrari I want is a LaFerrari. Do I want to drive it? Will it give me a better buzz than my Bugatti Chiron? No, I just want it in my living room spinning on a turntable. Mm. And I think it's one of my dad's favorite cars as well, isn't it? The LaFerrari. It's beautiful, yeah. yeah. Even though he doesn't like cars that are old, he always likes newer cars. The it's, one of, it's, one, it's one of them, yeah. But the original one is... is Bugatti's top yeah. dog, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But to answer your question there, Mark, you know, Ferrari's at my heart. It's one of my favorite brands being, you know, so young and, and going to the dealership and, you know, always seeing Ferrari as the brand. And I still aspire. I always still see that as the success label. But what Lamborghini are doing now in the industry, I think Ferrari really need to get their act together and they really need to uh, rebuild that customer relationship because there's not just myself that feels like this. There's top end car reviewers like uh, Chris Harris, um, you know, um, Jeremy Clarkson that have previously felt this way. Ferrari are like bullies, man. They really do bully you. Mm. And one it's of the main reasons similar reason to Rolex in a way, isn't it? Because you can't go into HD and buy a Rolex yeah. and you know a AD. AD, sorry, yeah. and, and buy one off the shelf retail. Yeah. It's so, yeah. so difficult. Yeah. And if Ferrari don't watch it, they'll end up going down the same route and losing that prestige. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely understand. But again, they've got Ferrari financing in place as well. So they want people to go through the, it's like a bank. It's more than, Ferrari make most of their sales through their licensing. It's not actually from the car sales. Yeah. So it's from the mugs that they sell, the t-shirts, right. the games, the rights, the games. All, all their merch and everything. All their merch. Yeah. So the Ferrari, the Ferrari logo in 2017, I remember this because I studied TV and film and, and, and digital media at the time. Ferrari was one of the most powerful, most influential brands in the whole world above McDonald's and Coca-Cola. Really? It was the most recognizable badge in the world. You know, they're in Formula One, they're in road cars, they're in, you know, watches, they're in fashion, they're in everything. Um, well, the deal just for the models, because yeah. I'm in the model game, the deal for making the models was a million dollars. And that was, I think, in 2010 for that year, a million dollars. Why do you ask me the question about Ferrari? Do you, is your favorite brand Ferrari as well? Yeah, of course. It yeah, is. it's got yeah, to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's very classy. It's, 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 yeah. it, it really is the gentleman's brand. Mm. And if they are watching this, maybe we can make friends again or whatever. <laughs> mend a relationship. Yeah, yeah mend a relationship. So, Sell get, me a Purosat. <laughs> to get an idea of scale, how many cars are in your fleet and what's the worth of those cars? We haven't last counted, but I've got about six cars that are being delivered in the next three weeks, which we're sweating about because uh, they're all just coming one after the other. Um, I haven't done the last check, but I think the last time I counted was about 33. 
33, yeah, wow. 34 cars. I think the value of the cars once the, the ones that are coming this year will be delivered will be 10 million pounds plus. Yeah, crazy, yeah. Yeah. crazy stuff. So starting it? a business, alhamdulillah, from uh, uh, a quarter of a million pound Rolls Royce, uh, taking it to this extent, it didn't come overnight, even though I make things look easy with my social media and I never show the downsides and the lows to the business because I understand that, you know, that's not what people really want to be seeing. I only just feed them what they want to see. It's a um, shame that, that the flexing and everything gets the likes, whereas the real business doesn't. But, but when we did LA Weekly, when we were filming mm. LA Weekly, people really enjoyed seeing my car smashed up and me going through the process of trying to repair the cars and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, that was a nice way to highlight, you know, the, the, the struggles in the business. So if you really want to know how our business, you know, how we get on with ourselves in our business, just watch, you know, um, there was only two series that we did of LA Weekly. Are you, so, you going to bring it back at some point? Look, you know, I, I, I would love to bring it back. But my, mom, my mother has always said that, you know, sometimes in life, you know, you absence makes the heart grow fonder, you know, and sometimes you've got to leave people wanting more. And you never go back to it. It's a bit like- it Takes you know, a lot of time out of you. It's like the boxer, yeah. Prince Nassim Hamid. You know, yeah. he, he was such a flamboyant boxer, one of the best in the world. Um, you know, as soon as, you know, he, he had, you know, a situation come along where he, he wasn't winning fights and whatever, you know, just knocked it on the head. People don't remember him for the fights that he lost. People don't remember him as a legend that he lived, that he was in boxing. And there's some things that you just got to leave where they are. You know, my main thing was that my father wasn't feeling comfortable with the camera around him because he's such a real go-getter businessman that sometimes he'll say things and I'll be like, oh, dad, don't say it like that. Say it like this because we've got a record. It's not, it's not user-friendly. It's not film. It's not YouTube-friendly. You're saying yeah. things that will, will cancel us, yeah, you know, yeah. like, you go, oh, I don't get Oh, shit. You have to goes, edit it slightly, yeah. You know, get out of the office. He goes, we're making real money out here. So just yeah. take your followers and all that shit. I'm like, dad, they love you. Stop talking about them like yeah. that. He goes, all oh, right, if they really love me, tell them to come on our car. Get pissed off out of the office. You know, you're getting in I my way. To a certain extent, people love that realness, but then there's the other side where people can't see you for yeah, anything. Yeah. They just want to jump on you if you're successful and tear you down. If I've got, if I've got half a million people watching an episode, mm. out of those half a million people, how many of them are really happy for me? Do you know? And that's the scary part. When you know that you're showing, you're sharing so much about yourself. I don't want people to know what really mine and my father's relationship is like. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I say that he loves me, but I will never tell you how much he loves me because only that's for me, you know, or, or, or what he does for me. That's only for me. Um, and I didn't really want to show and highlight my workers as well, my staff, because when they were going out and about, they're doing like a normal job. They're getting on with graft. They're on the side of the road, changing a tire for one of my cars or whatever. And they're getting stopped by followers and stuff and wanting pictures or, uh, you know, they'll, they'll go to go get lunch or whatever. And it'll take them 20 minutes longer because they have to slow down and have to take pictures with people. And I've told them to be nice to everyone. And my dad's on the blower saying to him, how come you haven't come back to the office yet? It's been an hour <laughs> since you went to go get lunch. Oh, I got stopped by some followers. Oh, what, you think you're famous now, do you? Get back to the showroom. We've got some graft on over here. So, you know, look, it was nice whilst it lasted. Will I bring it back? Who knows? Probably not. I like to spend my time away from the camera now as much as I do um, in front of it. Um, but, you know, that, that, that's the phase. That's the, that's the part in life that I am at at the moment. And I'm very happy with it. And I like doing these podcasts with with people like yourself because for me now it's not about me I've got a lot of development to do I'm 28 years old I'm still young uh, you know me sitting and telling people where I'm at in life every six months you know you're not going to see progress I'm doing a lot of things off camera physically with myself um, you know working out in the gym changing habits about myself in my life um, that you know later on you'll see the progression but mm. for me um, it's about you know, I want to I want to kind of highlight my father's story. You know, I want to highlight the, the story of how um, 
my dad's just my dad was just a just a normal street going you know on the corner shop type of man who you know had very normal friends and and all you know was a very normal person but there were certain you know elements there's certain things that you know characteristics about his personality about how driven he was that got him to where he's got to and if i said that i was i'm like my dad i'd be bullshitting i'm i'm not like my dad at all i haven't got the persistency i'm not as consistent um i haven't got that hunger and that drive that my father has the only thing that I have that hunger and drive and knowing is just to make him proud. Like, I don't care how much money I have in the bank. I don't really care who, which friends I'm impressing or whatever. As long as everyone knows that my dad is the top dog and I, and I make him proud or whatever, I'm flying the flag for him. So, so, so that's what makes me happy now. And, and, and I think doing these podcasts, it kind of um, scrapes away at the surface of the story. I mean, we've talked for so long, but we still haven't even covered, you know, 30% of, of, of the stories that he had to tell. But, you know, we've got to condense it. We'll be here all day talking about it. Indeed. But, you know, it's it's the main things, isn't it? It's the things that we have to learn. It, there's certain characteristics that you need to instill within yourself to get to that goal. And until you don't have that, you know, you've got to have patience. You know, you've got to have patience, determination, all these things. It, I that, think you will in time. It's just mm -hmm. a... Just a case of time, but um, I think if you come back, it'll be a more matured Lord Aleem, anyway. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I, I hope, I hope so, because I've spent a lot of my a lot of my years being very immature. He's always made me feel like a little baby. I think, you know? I think, <laughs> I think if it, when he gets married, I think yeah. it'll be a slightly different kettle, and uh, yeah. he'll follow a, a different direction. You could almost do a series together where you're talking about like your past stories and building on that and actually mm. sharing those 70% of stories that we haven't heard. Because mm. we've been uh, doing this two and a half years or mm. so, the YouTube journey, as we call it. And most weeks he says to me, I've heard that story before. Yeah, he's just, he's just <laughs> in conversations. and yeah. like, right, we can use that for a YouTube video. Let's make sure yeah. to, you know, because I you haven't know, heard you, it before. You, you know why? It's because sometimes we just switch off as being there. So mm -hmm. because we hear these stories all the time, mm. we, we can sometimes take our loved ones for granted, right? Whereas other people, they tell me, if I was in your position, I wouldn't get up from that seat in front of your dad. You could learn so much off him. I'm like, mate, he's my dad, you know. I've heard every story there is. I said, there's no more stories I could possibly listen to. But there is always another story. And there's probably a lot of other stories that he has that, you know, he keeps to himself. You know, he's a very reserved man. Even to get him onto a podcast to talk uh, I'm was very a big... happy about Yeah, that, I mean, he was so very I mean, excited to go well, onto it. I, I was actually. And I, and I said, look, um, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, we're very honoured you chose the striking. No, no, we're very honoured that you've come oh, here you. and, and, and you've taken the time out. And uh, I'm very honoured that I got to sit with, uh, you know, successful, um, a successful um, person like Mark and also, uh, you know, um, your yeah, son, Curtis. Journey. And, you know, the setup that you've done and the way and the, the guests that you get on board on this podcast, this is just the start for you guys. And, no, you well, know, the more that so subscribe, the bigger and the better the guests. That's, That's what it. we always say. hundred percent. And I just want to say, I think, I think my father did say this as well. I think this is his first ever, this is the first ever podcast or talk that we've ever done together. And uh, he said to me, he said, make sure that um, you don't phone me tomorrow and say there's another podcast that we've got to do. This is the only one I'm doing. And, uh, and, and this is what it is. But um, in general, I think, you know, main thing is, and the main message that I want to leave with people is that, you know, respect your elders. Um, really tune in and listen to them because they have a lot of value to give. Even though, you know, we can sometimes be very ignorant towards what they have to say because we think we're the new generation, we're the new era, we know how things work. Yes, we know how to click upload on YouTube. Yes, we know how to edit a video or whatever. Maybe they don't know how to do it. But there is core principles that the older generation have that we need to learn 
because they have been taught from generation after generation after generation. But the main thing is to be a good human being. Business is business on one side. When we're long gone and when we walk out this door, the only thing that will be left is who was that person and how did he make me feel? Yeah. And Do you want to ask could? your final question, Dad? Yeah, well, I've got two people to ask it to. Let's go. When is enough enough? Um. <laughs> that is a brilliant question. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking truth, this. Truthfully, when I'm dead. Because do you know what? I will carry on. I love it. I mm. really enjoy it. And um, uh, there, there's, there's, no, there's no way I'm retiring. No chance at all. I think if you're younger, don't it? Yeah, I'd love it. Do you want to know from me? Yeah. From I'm, you, I'm, yeah. So I'll tell you when enough is enough, right? Yeah. I want a, I want, I want a, I want a fat, I want a nice 20 mil plus apartment in London. Yeah. With three hypercars downstairs. I want, I want about two more holiday homes. I want a yacht. But where, the, where the holiday home is going to be? Well, you see now that the world's shifting and changing, I would have said Europe now. Now I'm starting to think a bit more in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Private jet. I don't mind chartering the jet, but I've got to own the yacht. Well, you could own the you could own the private jet and charter it. Charter it. That's yes. the next part of this. Yeah. In fact, in fact, we we did uh, pet jets. Yeah, there you I go. like it. We were already onto it. Um, uh, pet and you'll jets. You'll finally get into planes like you're supposed to back <laughs> yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we, we we did think about chartering yachts, but uh, we worked out so it was expensive. A, yeah, it's just a hole burning in your pocket. You got to do thirteen or fourteen weeks on a season to. Uh, come back because the, the sea is the most it's the roughest environment the roughest natural environment with the sea salt and all that sort of stuff mm. so on like let's say a 35 meter yacht you're gonna have to have a crew of six uh, or, or eight of which four have to be full time um that costs you about you know three four hundred grand a year to maintain and then you know to charter it 14 15 weeks just basically balances it all out but you know look a dream i have these i have these dreams now i want a boat i want this i want that i want you know and i'm sure that when my dad was my age he probably also had these dreams of you know wanting a plane wanting a boat wanting an apartment in this place or i don't know whether he did or not but i'm assuming that that's how you probably felt right but as you get older you start to realize that you know like maybe these things you know are not what's important in life but i yet haven't got to that stage uh, I, I still need I my cars i used to 20 years ago go over to um Spain and Ponte Benus and uh, go on uh, the Golden Mile where they've got all the boats and the yachts and everything. And just trying to get a sort of a feel of how much the boats are and X, Y, Z. And just to, you know, get an understanding. Never say never. But um, but no, I, I just, um, I couldn't get the numbers right. Mm. I just couldn't get the numbers down, as you know. Yeah, yeah. There's just money pits, the money boats. Pits, yeah. I, I just um, wouldn't touch a boat. Yeah, just can't get the numbers in. Yeah. If I'd got the numbers in today, I, I, I'd have half a dozen mm. of them. But I just couldn't get the numbers. No. And and and, uh, and Mark, because you know, uh, when you've been to Dubai, it was your first trip to Dubai. It was. Did you yeah. enjoy it? We loved it. It's like future city, isn't it? it? Is. It's, it's like Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah. Just looking out at the Burj Khalifa. Yeah. All of but it. how long did you stay there for? Oh, ten, ten days. days yeah. Yeah. Ten days. Yeah. I think that was that's just the perfect amount of time, especially if you've gone for the first. I mean, Dubai was a very inspiring city for, for my father and I. Mm. Uh, when you know, going to Dubai, I mean, you probably know or may not know that I recently took my Bugatti Chiron and flew yeah. it out there, mm. and. Uh, Man. expensive to get it out there though, yeah it? it was expensive but you know the money at one i couldn't care if it cost quarter of a million i still mm. would have taken it out there but 
one thing that I was like, it, it, it was like so surreal and I just couldn't thank God enough for my, at that moment of time, I had to pinch myself every single day. Like I kid you not, Pops, you probably don't know this, right? Yeah, but I got very emotional every single day because when my father and I, when my father took us on a family holiday to Dubai for the very first time, we used to look at cars like, you know, oh, look at that Sheikh's car. Look at that Bugatti over there. Look at that white Rolls Royce dropping. Today, I have every single car I could ever wish for, Alhamdulillah. And the Bugatti, um, you know, I, when I sit and I look at that steering wheel and I see the B badge, I think to myself, am I really driving a Bugatti that's on UK plates in a Dubai state, right? And this was only a dream about 10 years ago. It, that, that for me was like a moment to think to myself that, you know, never say never. You know, don't think small, always think big. If your dreams don't scare you or they don't give you nightmares, you're not, you're not dreaming big enough. And it was all possible from my father's hard work. And, you know, he allowed me to, you know, uh, to, to, cause it was a vision. I said to him, I wanted to launch Pet Dubai. He says, son, it's not a good idea. I just want you to, you know, expand the business here. I said, dad, it's, you know, we must try it. It's something that, you know, everybody does, you know, follow the hype, follow the trend. Well, I did it. And I realized that, you know, the numbers weren't making sense out there and adding up and whatever. And my dad said, oh, I told you that, that would if be the, the numbers don't make the sense, case. you just don't touch but it. But if you don't try, you don't, you'll never no. know. Yeah. But, but you wanted to try it. Yeah, so you can look at the research, you can research it, punch the numbers. But again, if it comes out back, wrong, it ain't ever going to be right. But coming out to that point. But I left, but we left I Dubai. Just, sorry, Pops. Coming, coming out to that point, I disagreed. He wanted to do it. But now so I'm. You let him try, and yeah. yeah. Mm. But but when I when I was connecting with all the car hire companies out there, they knew of who I was straight away. And as much as I thought that they wanted to work with me, they were cacking. They were shitting themselves that I was coming to the to Dubai. They're like, well, what well, what is uh, Pet Dubai? What 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 car do you have? You how many cars do you have? I said I got none at the moment except for a Bugatti, but that's how I'm coming in. As my dad said, always says mm. to me, going head first. So I'm doing something that none of you guys do here. We've got a Bugatti Chiron on hire. I had loads of people wanting to hire it, but it was just, I was too far away from home. Um, some things weren't adding up, I, you know, passport deposits and all that sort of stuff. I was relaying all this information to my dad and my dad just said to me, he says, son, you've flown the car out there. He goes, I haven't worked this hard, made all these millions, right? Yeah, for you to go around and running around the streets and hiring out your Bugatti. Just go and enjoy it, mate. Go and enjoy it. Market the hell out of pet hair in the UK. Mm. Build that bridge and go and assist the car hire companies out there. So I did. And today there's a car rental company, which I work with, which I offered my car to, that hire a Bugatti Chiron for 30 minutes for uh, 4,000 dirhams, which comes to 800 pounds. 30 minute rides. They realized people couldn't digest the car for a day, two, three days. Here in the UK, they can. I've got some fantastic clients here. But in Dubai, um, you know, they wanted it for a quick little snap and yeah, Instagram or whatever, quick, quick yeah. little pictures. Mm. So that business model worked a lot better. But I could never fathom renting my car out, uh, which is a three million pound Bugatti for 30 minutes. Uh, you know, like, like well, a the amount of different people that you would have to rent it to as well. It's just risk, risk, yeah. risk, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know the old saying, it's not worth getting out of bed yeah. for. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. It's not worth it. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's been thank really you very, good. Very, very much. Really very grateful it. you've had us and um, really enjoyed it. An absolute pleasure. Uh, and we wish all you all the best. All I could feel is uh, on my heart is my two phones uh, buzzing away 100 <laughs> miles an hour. And, on, and you didn't on, pick on, one on, up. No, I didn't pick one up. No, absolutely Well done, Dad. And and trust me, my, my wife would give evidence here and say he would never want to miss a phone call. But um, um, I think, no exaggeration, let's have a quick glimpse of how many we've had missed. 
Oh, sugar. Well, just just flick your... Oh, look, 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 look. You've, let's just turn it around now. <laughs> well, it's, it's ringing now, so... Yeah, sure, so I can't tell. But I would have thought... Um, let's have a feel. And that's a Blackberry over there, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Right, if you're wondering, man. wow, he's still got the heat. No, yeah. he's not on BBM. <laughs> no, well, look, I think we're, we're going to be into about, uh, about 50, but that's fine. We'll catch them all. Yeah. But, um, but once again... Thank you very much for your time. Much. It's, it's been, been great. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, make sure to smash that thumbs up button for the YouTube algorithm. And we will see you next Wednesday with a brand new podcast. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from this lot. But don't leave him hanging. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much, Curtis. God bless you. Ciao.